Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker and Alex. It's a new year, and we watched Stewie Griffin, The Untold Story. (laughs) So, Alex, uh, just a point of order here. Uh, What the fuck? Bro, don't look at me. This is all Shenron. Yeah, he had nothing to do with that, I guess. When did you first come across it? I think you said you, like, had this on DVD or something. I did not have it on DVD, but I absolutely watched it a bunch in high school because I was a fucking idiot, apparently. Uh, uh, well, whatever makes you laugh, I guess. I cannot believe I hadn't seen this whole thing, but I've I... seen the first three seasons every episode double-digit I... times. So it's weird. Thinking. I'll probably get into this later. I feel like I have seen these episodes before because there are some jokes in there that I definitely remember, but I don't know if it was in this context. If they're memorable, it must be good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's how, yeah. that's how the brain works, right? Like You wouldn't uh, remember a bunch of garbage that you couldn't ever possibly need for anything. Yeah. Nobody would do that. Yeah. Well, I suppose before we get into this, we might as well get into the news. Now, Parker, if you don't mind, I uh, actually prepared something. Uh, we lost someone. Someone very important to the world of football and the world of the game of games. Uh, <laughs> we lost John Madden. Now, I've prepared a little segment for this. Ladies and gentlemen, John Earl Madden was one of the was one of the great men. Don't laugh; it's not funny. John Madden was one of the great men of our time. Bro, how'd you get as a broadcaster to play on our show? As a as a broadcaster, <laughs> as a coach, as a player for less than a season, and as a video game mogul, it's not funny. He was instrumental in growing the game the the way that we know it, and. Uh, I think that his influence cannot be overstated. In fact, in terms of football figures, I'd have to put up his influence with uh, John Heisman and Paul Brown. And Chris Berman. Those three were, well, not so much Chris Berman. John Madden was instrumental. You know, when I think back about John Madden, the memories I have of watching football in the early 90s, it was his verve, his love for the game that was most important. And it's, it's something I feel that we've moved away from. I think he's one of the elder statesmen of football. And elder statesmen of football are entitled to a 21-gun salute. That's one. (laughs) (laughs) Can you play that fart reverb 21 times? (laughs) It takes a while to load. Alright, the cannon's like really old. It's not funny. I don't know why you guys are laughing. You know, I... <laughs> we should probably should have got more cannons in there so they could like just fire them off a little bit faster. 
you know, I'm not one of those people that really thinks, you know, we need to to weigh the the good and the bad about. It. We don't have to. We don't have to immediately go into all the, you know, not so savory things they've done. But I do have to yeah. say, you're not talking about the Patriots. Anymore, so. Yeah. Well, I, I try not to talk over funerals because so you know, fucking loud. <laughs> Well, you know, we want to pay respects to him. I think that he's earned this sort of thing, you know? <laughs> Check this out. Tough you guys are still today. counting, right? Yeah, it's... Oh, hold up. Well, they, they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. We have, we have a right, team of... Six. We, no, that's not six. It's more like... It's closer to the end. We have, like, a team of guys who are running this. It's actually the local ROTC, so... Uh, God bless our troops. You know, they're working hard on this. And uh, they love John Earl Madden as much as we do. I guess we're done. Cool. No, no, it's still actually. <laughs> <God damn it>. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's bad? <laughs> no, no, no. Again, we're not going to quote Family Guy during John Madden's remembrance. You have to be respectful to him, okay? We wouldn't want to make jokes about this. We wouldn't want to make light of John Madden in this great time, as as important as he was to the football community. <laughs> he was so important to you back watching football in the 90s before people respected the Patriots yeah. and also yeah. now yeah. so I thought he was pretty hard on That's Danny gotta White be I don't know about you yeah so much <laughs> Jesus Christ this is so yeah. beautiful I, I trust the guys who are real so I feel like we're not doing any extra ones guys just 21 keep it at that tasteful we don't want to be ostentatious with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to like go over the top or anything. But he was like a head of state of the game of football. So. Chris, can you bring the cannon to the rowdy showing? Yeah, I'm considering it. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, thus we lay to rest the the life and soul of one John Earl Madden. That was thank you. One. You no, it was 21. I trust the guys who did it. They did a good job. So. His body will be placed yeah. inside the pyramid. Right, yeah. <laughs> See you it's next week, dickhead. Yeah. No, no. Pyramid yeah. Now that... Hey, okay, alright, alright, hey. We had one more Start death. the cannons over. Yeah, we had one more death. So, Betty White was also... God. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm not gonna do this. Uh, Parker, any other news? I mean, just one more fuck you at the end of 2021. We lost someone very important. Uh, friend of the show, online personality, just someone adored by everyone nationwide. Eat that pussy 445 was placed in federal prison. Oh, <laughs> was he really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. How He's not going to see the last? playoff game. Oh. <laughs> they got TVs, don't they? Don't they have TVs in the uh, federal penitentiary? Uh, you'd have to ask. Yeah, well. Uh, actually, you know, they maybe he's in one of the prisons underneath the stadium, so he'll be able to hear what's going on. <laughs> it turns out Eat That Pussy 445 is also in the pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, he's being held in a Hannibal Lecter prison. He's just yeah. standing there pacing around. <laughs> Drawing a sketch of someone in the audience puking on a child. They had to recast the guy that jacks off in his hand and throws it to Jodie Foster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Role of a lifetime. I mean, how long is he going to last in prison? With his attitude, I mean, not and, much uh, longer than he would on the girl. streets. Oh, oh that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> dude is gorillion pounds. 
Turns out after uh, three weeks of eating prison food, Eat That Pussy 445 is in the best shape of his life. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, imagine him in the yard. Also, that hairline, that's... I mean, you're not going to make a tremendous amount of friends that way. They have to build a bigger solitary confinement for him. <laughs> Put him in the hole. We can't. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, remember the video of him running the 40 and it took over a minute <laughs> <laughs> like two steps into it he was hiking up his pants imagine you're just like sitting on the bottom bunk and you just hear above you him just listing off his top 100 porn stars dude. all night long dude when, when, <laughs> when he inevitably dies in prison can we do an Epstein thing with it <laughs> What did he know about how yeah. he <laughs> What did he know about Chip Kelly's flight logs? <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, one, uh, more tragic one, death. Of... one more oh, tragic death ahead. for us, uh, you know, right at the start of 2022. The Morbius release date. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right, I was I looking to forward to watch it in January. Oh, that's going to be a good episode. Ladies and gentlemen, we come here to bury the Morbius <laughs> release date. That, uh, something we've oh, all been looking for. They moved this shit to April Fool's. <laughs> oh, did they that's really? Such a good <laughs> I can't believe they didn't do that with Jackass. I mean, I appreciate it. You know, the sooner the better with that. That's a real movie, but like, whew. Feels like it's a little bit on the nose. Of course, we will be watching that and doing an episode of it now. Uh, one final piece of news that's actually mm-hmm. good news. Uh, James okay. Cameron confirmed that he did, in fact, pitch Aliens by writing Alien and then an S and then making it a dollar sign. I've wanted to believe that story my entire life, and knowing it's true has really brought a smile I have a feeling we said that. Times. I didn't think it yeah. was true. Like, everyone knows about the... I, I think one of my favorite things about it is, like, writing the S at the end and all the boardrooms going, like... And then it puts, like, a line through, like, Oh! <laughs> Oh, more aliens. Oh, shit. <laughs> How did he do that? Then he underlines it. Whoa, what is this? It's <laughs> a Vince McMahon thing. <laughs> Draws a circle around it. He just comes and falls back in his chair. <laughs> well, let's uh, move on to our... Move on to our jerks of the week. Oh fuck! I can't believe you've done this. My jerk of the week is all wrestling fans ever who uh, are very, very angry that Johnny Knoxville will be joining the WWE Royal Rumble. Um, <laughs> not sure entirely why they're upset. I guess they're upset because he's <laughs> not really a, mean, a wrestler. Dude. I didn't know this was no. real. Oh no! So here's the thing about my sad, pathetic life. Most of my friends love professional wrestling. They talk about professional wrestling. They actually watch professional wrestling. I don't. I know. I don't really get it. I mean, like, I like Orange Cassidy. I like Hikaru But like, that's it. I I don't really have a lot of interest in it. It's not for me. I like the what's a show that I like so much? Uh, Dark Side of the Ring. I like Dark Side of the Ring. Other than that, I can't get into pro wrestling. It just doesn't do anything for me. So when this news is announced, every all my group chats are blowing up with, "Oh, that's he can't, he's not a real wrestler." So yeah, yeah. Neither is anyone involved with this fucking thing. Like, here's a stone cold objective fact: he's more entertaining than any professional wrestler that's working in the WWE right now. Like, that's. Can you imagine if he wins? Well, uh, here's the thing: I, I literally cannot imagine him winning because Johnny Knoxville is famously uncoordinated. So uh, he will take a bump, which is wrestling terminology for eat shit, and he will probably get some footage for 
don't know, Wild Boys 2 or something like that. It's probably going to be fine. I think the real reason they're upset is this kind of shows that the WWE doesn't have 30 wrestlers, so they have to go to outside sources. Logan Paul may as well be one of the guys. Damn, I hope so. Shinron doesn't make you watch both nights of the Royal Rumble. Hey, not <laughs> funny. So, oh, God, who are your guys' jerks of the week? <clears throat> um, Not so much jerk of the week, but uh, hero of the week coming from me. Um, mm-hmm. My hero Matthew of the Orchard. week... My hero of the week is the guy I was playing Jackbox with who teed me up by drawing regular Justin Trudeau in the, the, the fighting game. <laughs> oh, he just put that one on the tee for you. I do, like, I, I was just sitting there like, he has to know. Like, he has yeah. to know that there's, like, a one in seven chance that I get this, and that's what he's going to get. Like, like yeah. what, who, I, I mean, look, I'm aware the category was the champion of Canada. But also, like, you gotta draw, like, fucking Dudley Do-Right or something, man. When really you good. put regular in front of him, you know we're going to do something with it. I mean, how... <laughs> when I, I was bored, make... I was I, a I kind of want to make my... You know. I kind of want to make my drawing my Discord avatar. <laughs> Dude, you should. It's so fucking good. <laughs> I was so proud of that. Anyway. Uh, my jerk away. Have you guys ever fallen for the crank of, uh... Going through like Uber Eats or something, you see some restaurant you've never seen before, order it only to realize, like, oh, this isn't a real restaurant, it's just inside a real restaurant. Because that's how I spent my fucking New Year's eating quesadillas from an IHOP. Oof. I've never been angrier in my life. Oh. It took like an hour and a half to get there, too. Oh. Absolute dog shit. I didn't Thanks know that that nothing. was a real thing. I guess I gotta be yeah. more careful. Jokes on me on a put in the order and it showed the map. I was like, hang on a second. Why, why is that dot right on top of this IHOP? Yeah. Is that why it's open till six AM? Well, can't cancel it now. Yeah. Maybe it'll be good. I've never I've never done Uber Eats, I've always been a DoorDash guy, and I haven't used the app in so long I had to sign back into it. Um That's good. I also live pretty close to everything, so the bad uh, save news money. Is, uh it wasn't good. The good news is I was very drunk at that point, so it didn't matter. Uh, that's important. Mm-hmm. Well I guess without further ado, we can get into what we watched recently. As I mentioned to both Parker and Alex, I was unable to attend Alex's birthday bash because I had the worst case of diarrhea I've had since I watched The Thin Red Line. Now, I will admit that The Thin Red Line was a very good movie. Far better than the movie I watched while I had such terrible, terrible indigestion. A movie called Sinister. This has uh, Ethan Hawke in it, and I think Ethan Hawke is a very good actor. Uh, I think he is better than Sinister. Now, Parker, I know you enjoyed Sinister, and uh, I can understand people who defend it. It's kind of like a found footage sort of thing. Uh, Alex, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's it's like found footage, but done a whole lot better. So, you know what snuff films are, right? They're those like low-budget uh, shot-at-home videos that purport to be actual murders. And a bunch of them were passed around in the 70s and 80s, uh, kind of as pranks, and uh, apparently... Rumor has it, a few of them were actually real. These were reported to the police and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, they have that, and they kind of use that as found footage. But you can't make an entire movie out of that, so it's kind of like an investigation. I, in a way, it sort of reminds me of Zodiac, a movie I really liked. And he's investigating some uh, found footage uh, snuff films. And some of these are really good. Some of these, uh, the Lawnmower one, boy... That one got me. That one was uh, oh, yeah. that. That one made me stand up and do the Stanley Shuffle to the bathroom because uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, it was coming. Anyway, uh, for the <laughs> listeners at home, when Chris is texting me like, "Man, I'm really not enjoying this movie," but also I'm having the worst diarrhea of my life. To which I responded, "Hey, you know you can just watch it after you're done shitting, right?" To which he responded, <laughs> "No." <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, if you're having a bad time, you can just watch the movie later. It's like a decade old. It's not going anywhere. But uh, uh, no, nevertheless, actually, he persevered. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, actually I don't think to... I will. Correct, yeah. <laughs> this no one is on the list. Like, yeah. No, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Parker. This one's actually on the list, so the sooner I get this done, the sooner I don't have to worry about it anymore. You probably now, popped it by now. I've watched like five movies in the last month. Yeah, maybe. Well, I'm, so, I'm trying to... Well, hey... Try to extend that lead, buddy. So the thing about it that gets me is that I think I was really close to liking this. There was something that uh, just took me out of it. And I think it's the supernatural element. Like, there's a scene the where... the fact that his name is Bagul? Because that also sucked. Oh, that's... Yeah, that also sucked, yeah. <laughs> also, like, everyone complained about the ending for being way too obvious. But, like, it was so obvious, like, right from the very beginning that I was just, like... I just kind of mentally prepared myself for it. I was it's just the like, same way I felt about Knives Out, dude. <laughs> oh, did you watch the trailer? <laughs> uh, actually, so one of the, the things behind the scenes for Sinister, I don't know if the behind the scenes this is more about, I don't know, one of the movies. Apparently, at one of the festivals that was shown with a bunch of other horror movies, uh, a lot of people did, like, they had their pulses taken, like, during all the movies, and this one won the award for, like, uh, highest heart rate, so this one was supposed to be the scariest uh, if you're fucking two years old. Um Again, I think that the thing that really bothers me about this is that there is a supernatural element. Again, there's a boogeyman named Bagul, and he's, uh... Like, if you're gonna kill people, and you're a demon, then you don't need a lawnmower, right? You don't need, like, to drag someone tied to a fucking, uh, pool chair into a pool. Wait, your issue is with the demon's efficiency? My issue is with the... It's not so much the efficiency. It's with uh, the method of killing. Because you're a demon. You can do anything. You can make their head explode or something like that. Instead, it's taking what would have been really scary to see an actual person do it. And then it's like, oh, and it was a demon the entire time. And that's really stupid. I think if you never actually saw who did it, this would have been a lot scarier. I think that, I think if it was more like Zodiac, it would have been a lot scarier. The idea is, at least for me, what's real, what could actually happen, is a lot scarier. That's why when you watch movies that are a lot more relatable, those are the ones that are going to scare you. As it stands, once you see the demon, like, there's a scene where, like, Ethan Hawke is, like, sitting like this. He's got his computer right here. And he, like, turns away because he's on the phone with some idiot friend. And the demon that's, like, superimposed on here turns to look at him. And that's just... It just takes me out of the movie because it's just stupid. So that's what that did for me. I'm sorry, Parker. I didn't like this one very much. I don't think you like horror movies. No, some horror you movies like I like. Handful. Uh, some of them I like. Some of them I don't like. You've put yourself on this journey that has brought you nothing but sadness. Well, to be fair, rewatching you know The Exorcist worked for me. It's probably better than the Westerns DVD compilation, so I take it back. Oh, yeah, which I've seen. So, uh, I watched an anime. Uh, I like anime. Anime will be good. This is an anime for furries. It's called Wolf oh. Children. And, uh, what gave it away? Yeah, so... <laughs> Why did I download? I don't remember why I downloaded this, uh, but I was like, "Yeah, you give do. it a sh-. No, actually, this one. No, no, no. Come on, we like to kill on this podcast. <laughs> Wolf Children was. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's apparently critically acclaimed. A lot of people really liked it. Everyone said, "Oh, I cried at the end." Um, I, I hope these people don't read uh, Curious George. I guess they'll probably cry at the end of that too. Wolf Children is about a woman who lives in Japan, because it's an anime, that's what they do, and she falls in love with this guy who's also a wolf. Like, he can turn into a wolf, but it's not really lycanthropy, it's not really like a werewolf sort of situation, he just does it every once in a while, and you're just like, <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just for the hell of it. And I'm just like, all right, they're probably going somewhere with this. The movie's two hours long. I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation here. Uh, no. So uh, they fall in love, and uh, they have intercourse, and they have babies. And uh, the babies are half-human, half-wolf hybrids, and uh, the wolf falls into a river and drowns, so she has to raise the children by herself. Well, now, this is actually a wolf form when this happened. Yeah. So this is actually this is actually where I think the movie gets good because it's kind of an allegory and you read the behind the scenes this is how the movie started. Someone said, "Oh, raising kids is like raising two wild animals." And it was like, "Oh, okay, let's see what they're doing." And it kind of uses it. It's like, "Oh, kids can be so hard to control sometimes. They can be so messy. They can be so, you know, whatever, hybrid." Yeah, it's like there are a bunch of wolves in your house. They're like, oh, okay, I get it. And then it goes a step further, be like trying to find their place in the world. And uh, one of them decides that he's going to be just a wolf. One decides she's going to be just a human. And uh, it's also about how tough it is to be a mother. And uh, overall, it was pretty good. It just wasn't spectacular. And again, the the opening really made it feel like it was anime, but for furries. So... It's kind of so tough anime. to get past that hill. Oh, yeah, I guess that too. Actually, wait, is there a lot of crossover between the furry community and the anime community? Because I kind of feel like the furry oh, community child. is all about, like, Western stuff, right? Like, uh, Thundercats and stuff. And um, Man, I hope uh, I don't have any furry listeners. They're going to be really upset they just heard that. Well, they'll, I'm sure they'll get over it somehow. Uh, speaking of stuff that's not for furries and not for anime fans, I decided to go back to one of my favorite working directors, Wes Anderson. I finally watched Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, and this is going to shock some of you. I liked it. Uh, I, I <laughs> uh, obviously it's very, very good. I don't know what to say that hasn't already been said by everyone. I really liked the two, uh, child actors. I thought they were good. I do think this is maybe my least favorite of Wes Anderson's work so far. Uh, which is kind of surprising because everyone was talking this up as possibly his best one yet. I think it, it had a whole bunch of uh, nominations for awards and stuff, but I think my biggest problem with this is I kind of realized that all the characters are sort of talking in a monotone, which is okay because the dialogue is so good that it doesn't matter how they say the lines. It's still going to be good, but it was like, oh, now I'm starting to kind of realizing that they're not really acting. They're just saying lines. But it's okay because they can get away with it, and part of it's like the structure of the movie and everything. Uh, I, I did like it. I do I do think Moonrise Kingdom is good, but... Uh, I don't know. I think I'm going to watch. Uh, I'm going to rewatch Isle of Dogs next because uh, you know I'm I'm kind of interested in that one. Now skip over that one. I'm going to save it for my good friend Alex. <laughs> next one here. Uh, speaking of Alex, uh, Alex assigned me a Nicholas Wingdings Reffin. Oh movie, God, I forgot uh, I did this again. I I'm sorry. Finally, time. yeah, I actually sat down and watched a 2013 movie called Only God Forgives. Uh, my response to this, I'm not sure that he does. And hey, Chris, a, when did you watch this movie? When did I watch this? <clears throat> was this on New Year's? Did I watch it on New Year's? I think I might have. Yeah, I think I might have watched this on New Year's. Um, which, uh, that's just how my life goes. Uh, Only God Forgives is fucking terrible. So... When Drive came out, Drive was like, what, 2011, 2012, something like that? And people were like, wow, Drive is the shit. Maybe this director is really good. And uh, I I was like, okay, maybe he is good. Maybe he's got like a certain style or whatever. Then I watched The Neon Demon. I was like, oh, maybe that was a misfire, right? And then I watched Bronson, and I was like, oh, no, he's like this all the time. And finally, I watched Only God Forgives. And honestly, dude, 
Only God Forgives might be worse than the Neon Demon. Alex, what's your take? I haven't seen this movie. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. What do you What do you think is worse, Only God Forgives or Neon Demon? I haven't seen this movie. I don't know. Oh. Oh, I thought you <laughs> had seen this. Oh, jeez. Well, egg on my Oh, you haven't, have you? Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, Only God Forgives is so fucking dull. This is like, this could have been an interesting subject. So the idea here is Ryan Gosling, uh, who's fresh off the success of Drive. Now, remember the draw of Drive was that he didn't say very much in it. He would just look, and you could learn so much about his character thinks and feels because he could communicate it just with a look. Now, the real reason he did that is because Ryan Gosling specifically did not like the dialogue that Nicholas Winding Refn had written, which... uh, no surprise, Refn is a bad writer. So he decided, uh, no, I'm just not going to say that because I'm Ryan Gosling and your name is unpronounceable. So, it, and it worked and it made the movie a hit. Well, uh, Refn's like, yeah, just do that again. So Ryan Gosling is uh, he's a drug dealer and he moves to Bangkok and he's running a uh, Muay Thai uh, battle ring. And you're like, oh yeah, that should be fun. No. And his brother uh, kills a hooker because... Um, it's, that's extreme, man. That's really badass. But that's a seedy part of the criminal underworld that happens all the time, and you don't even know it. And uh, the guy whose daughter he killed uh, kills him, and then that guy gets killed with a sword. And you're like, oh, a sword. That's going to be cool, right? No. And uh, Ryan Gosling's mom visits. And turns out he's got really serious mommy issues. Like, she may have fucked him a bit growing up, and now he's like... He has weird issues here. He doesn't say more than like five words the entire movie, so you just kind of left to assume this. And she's like, oh, if you were really my son, if I had fucked you correct, then you would have killed this guy sooner. And, uh, I don't know, he ends up killing some other people or something. Like, it's so fucking boring. And you're like, oh, I mean, you've got the CD Criminal Underworld, Mai Tai, Bangkok, motorcycles, neon, and the sword, and all this other stuff. This should be a lot of fun. And it's so not fun. Nicholas Winding Refn is the only guy who could make all this stuff not cool. So, um, Alex, thank you so much gotcha, bud. for this. Now, contrast one of my, I hesitate to use the word friends, with one of my enthusiastically using the word friends. Parker assigned me pain and gain. Oh, guys, guys, this movie dude. fucking rips. I fucking love Pain and Gain so much. Now, I will say this, and maybe this is a hot take, just take it as you will. Whereas I called uh, Freddy Got Fingered, like, secret genius, I want to call Pain and Gain accidental genius. Because there's so many moments where it's like, oh, oh, Chris, you just know Michael Bay from the Transformers movies, even though I've only seen all of them. But uh, I, people say, oh, maybe Michael Bay's not a very good director or whatever. In this one, there are certain moments where that bad directorship shows through. It's like there's really sloppy editing, some incredibly badly written dialogue, and like the structure doesn't really work for some scenes. And then there are other moments where you're just like, maybe it's the story that's so good that you don't even care about the directing. You don't care about the camera angles. You don't care about the performances, which, by the way, are all top-notch. This is important. we got to talk about The Rock. And Alex, you said you're sick of The Rock. I can give you two movies... Where The Rock is playing someone other than The Rock. One is Moana, which, fine, whatever. The other is Pain and Gain. He's not playing The Rock. He's playing an actual character. And it works so well. And his performance is so good. I was really happy with it. It was just weird because you contrast this with Mark Wahlberg, who's playing Mark Wahlberg, but, like, 
from a different camera angle. You know, it's just like people realize just how fucking dumb this guy is. Now, Parker did not warn me about two things with this movie. My two problems here. One was Ken Jong. <laughs> yeah, it's Oops. funny. The other one <laughs> is Rebel that. Wilson. Oh, man. That's I, a rough I one, too, for you. Right. Yeah, that... I mean, I was on my ass by the time that happened. I just... Sucker punch right there. Fucking Rebel Wilson. She's worse than Ken Jog, by the way. She she shouldn't be working anywhere. She shouldn't be in movies. She shouldn't be alive. I, I cannot stand either one of them. But the good news is everything else about that movie is so fucking excellent. Tony Shalhoub is great in this. Uh... The fucking scene where they're... I think it's the second kidnapping attempt where they're supposed to back up and, like, open the doors and kidnap him. And they're just, like, next to him and they open the doors he's already behind them and he calls a bunch of assholes and drives away. It's so fucking funny. Ed Harris is in this, and I almost signed up. I almost, like, joined the Marines right there on the spot just because of Ed Harris. He makes me want to fight and die for this country. Right. God, I love him. Uh, Pain and Gain is excellent. I am ashamed that it took me this long to watch it. I will say that, like, as much as I've been to the gym recently, Pain and Gain is the movie that made me want to stop. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. <laughs> I have to say, uh, Ken Jong, uh, absolute not friend of the show on site. It's actually perfect that he's cast in that role because it makes Marky Mark look even more fucking stupid. Because you watch it Ken really Jong, does, yeah. who you just have all this context of hating for like, the last 15 years. And he's up there talking and just watching Mark be like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to turn it all around. Today's the day we start over and fix my life. It makes him look so much worse. <laughs> it's accidentally yeah. perfect. Yeah. Getting inspired Which, by Kim Jong standing on stage with two women in bikinis is all it takes. <laughs> so one of my favorite things about it is at the end of the movie, Ed Harris is being like, took the jury only 14 minutes to sentence the both of them to death and i was like wait what fucking death they got sentenced to death who did they kill oh right the weights <laughs> boy they really tried with tony shalhoub they really tried with him but uh boy i fucking love that movie dude i i'm trying to get every single person i come to contact with to watch that movie it is totally worth it here's the biggest surprise about it the Rotten Tomato score is a solid rotten. Everyone fucking hates this movie. Why? And I don't know why. Like, I think people will dislike uh, Pain and Game probably because it was like a Transformers overreaction. They're just like, oh no, they're not a Transformers. And they just didn't even watch it. Because there's no way you could watch this movie and come away thinking, yeah, it sucks. Like, one of the best scenes I've ever seen in any movie ever is when The Rock is... Uh, outside barbecuing something I won't give it away for the viewers what and it says at the bottom of the screen this is still a true story I was like oh my god that was Tarantino-esque I fucking loved it so uh, very happy for that uh, move on to a movie I'm surprised that I'm going to call worse than pain again uh, turns out I think Snowpiercer is only okay and uh, I'd like to explain this one here I like Bong Juno. I like all of his movies and I like science fiction movies. I like science fiction movies that are about something. Bong Joon-ho's Snowpiercer is... I, I mean, it's weird to say this after seeing, like, Parasite and The Host and all those other movies, but, boy, this one was a little too preachy for me. And it's just like... Very on the nose. Yeah, I was my like, God. okay, guys, I get it. And we're, we'll get into this with another movie that I watched with my good Blame friend Alex. But will we? 
Yeah, but boy, Snowpiercer is, uh, I guess maybe it wears its lack of subtlety on its shoulder. It's just like it's really proud of that. It's just like, look at this. Here's what we are trying to say, um, even if it's patently idiotic. Uh, it does have Ed Harris in this, who uh, I guess the first bad performance I've ever seen from him. Uh, it was nice seeing him again. I like him. Uh, Chris Evans is very good in this. Chris Evans is good in almost everything he does, so he wins no extra points for that. Um, Octavia Spencer was in this. Uh, what that means, practically nothing. Uh, I did like the uh, the camera work here. I thought the camera work was very good. Um, it's visually interesting. I did like the behind-the-scenes story that apparently uh, Bong joon was fighting with Harvey Weinstein the entire time. Uh, one of the stories here is that Harvey wanted to cut one of the scenes involving a fish, and he wanted more action, whereas Bong joon said, no, I want the fish in there because it's a cool shot. And they went back and forth, back and forth. And Bong joon said, look, you don't understand. My father was a fisherman. And I want to keep that shot as a tribute to him. And Harvey Weinstein said, oh, family's important to me, so you can keep this. And Bong joon said in a later interview, it was a fucking lie. My father wasn't a fisherman. I just wanted a shot. So uh, I thought that was really neat. Um, Snowpiercer, on the other hand, it's fine. It's just, it's the worst I've seen from Bong joon uh, I still think he's a really good director. I'll see whatever else he makes. But Snowpiercer, I just, I feel like it's a little overrated. I've only seen it once. God, was that like 2013, I think? Something like that? Roughly, yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time, but yeah. I remember liking it, but also I was just oh, like, yeah. oh, wow, this movie's saying something. Look how yeah, I don't, yeah I, don't, I don't think you could go into fucking uh, Snowpiercer and not come out of it like thinking it was horrible unless you're like a fascist, but like it was, I don't know, it was a bit much. Speaking I understand of, the uh, metaphors they're working with. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the uh, the worst movies I've seen from a Korean director that I like, I fucking love Park Chan-wook. And one of my recent reviews for Thirst was, the man obstinately refuses to miss. He will not release a bad movie. And then I watched Stoker. And oh boy, that movie does not work for me at all. I tried really, really hard with Stoker and, oh, didn't hit any notes for me. Basic story of Stoker is there's a girl, and I, I guess what, she's autistic, and she's got, like, hypersensitivity to various uh, stimuli, and uh, she is, it's basically a remake of the 1943 movie Shadow of a Doubt, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, her father dies, and her uncle comes to visit and takes his place, so, kind of like Hamlet. And uh, turns out Uncle Charlie is a big, creepy weirdo. And uh, he murders one guy who's trying to rape her at some point, so thanks for that little scene. And uh, it turns out the behind-the-scenes story is uh, Uncle Charlie has always been completely fucked up. Uh, that was actually, to me, the best scene in the entire movie, because it has a little bit of a story here. I thought it was a nice little revealing scene. And then it turns out that the girl herself is also fucked up, and uh, she kills some guy, and I was just like... And then the movie just ends, and uh, I didn't like it very much. Parker, I think you did enjoy this one. I did, but I don't remember a thing about it. I remember only watching it because I just watched Shadow of a Doubt, and I was on the Wikipedia, and I was like, this, this guy made a remake of it? I should watch it. And uh, yeah. I remember enjoying it at the time, but I cannot tell you. I didn't remember that it ended with her killing someone, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Did yeah, not didn't leave an impression like some other movies have. Yeah. Uh, only a couple more here. My sister came by. She visited. Uh, she decided that she would... Uh, bring one of the gifts that I got her. I got her Beetlejuice on Blu-ray, which she had never seen. And I was like, okay, we gotta watch it right now. I want to make sure that you enjoy it. And she loved it. And uh, I, th I feel like I've talked about uh, Beetlejuice like four times on the show already, so there really isn't much more for me to say uh, besides 
I love this movie so fucking completely. Uh, one line that I, it's like one of those great things about movies is like a movie that you love and there's a line that you forgot about even though you've seen it a million times. You're like, oh, now that's my favorite line in there. My favorite one is where uh, Beetlejuice is getting ready to go to the whorehouse and he's like, oh, feeling a little anxious. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard someone describe being horny as being anxious. <laughs> so uh, that did a lot for me. God, there my sister was cracking up at all the lines where he, uh, he's like uh, he has to pull at the ring and there's a finger still attached to the ring like, I'm telling you honey she meant nothing to me absolutely nothing <laughs> god I'm gonna maybe I should rewatch that movie again I, I you like just every, watched I know I just watched it and it's still good uh, final thing here and this will be a springboard for jokes is uh, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis remind me of my mother and father uh, <laughs> more like, more similarities there than uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think the difference here is that uh, my my dad would have turned the gun sideways on the production assistant. <laughs> Freak yourself, fool! Oh. <laughs> All right, uh, last group of movies here before I turn things over to Alex and we talk about our favorite movie of the year. Um, I did this all for like a sick little joke on Letterboxd, which uh, just kind of pithy. Uh, I've never really understood the big fucking deal about Steve Jobs. I've always been a Steve Wozniak guy. It's not necessarily like I'm anti-Mac. I have a MacBook right here that I use for work, and I'm a big iPhone guy. It works just perfectly for me, and I like the I like the OS. Uh, but I've never been an Apple defender. I've never been an Apple opponent. And when Steve Jobs passed away, and I believe it was 2011... Uh, everyone was acting like he was one of the greatest Americans to ever walk the earth. He changed the world because he, he invented a phone. I thought Alexander Graham Bell did that. And uh, it was like, oh, he thought differently. He did all this stuff. And he would, he made a big business thing. You know, America, capitalism, uh, seeing the connection. Ever see Snowpiercer? I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. But I, I just didn't really understand the big fucking deal about this guy. I'm like, well... There were two movies. I remember there were two movies, two biopics made about his life. One was called Jobs. The other was called Steve Jobs. I was like, okay, if I'm going to watch these, I actually want to see who had the better performance. Because I know Ashton Kutcher played Steve Jobs in one of them. And Michael Fassbender played him in the other one. I think Michael Fassbender got nominated for the Oscar. and may have even won it. I don't remember, though, because I don't really watch the Oscars. I said, in order to gauge this, I want to see what the man actually looked and sounded like. As such, I watched a documentary called Steve Jobs, The Man in the Machine, produced by CNN. And the uh, movie's a little over two hours long. It's a documentary about his life, his growth, and everything. I fact-checked it. It turns out pretty much everything in there is true. Uh, turns out a tough guy to work with, uh, to put it very, very kindly. Uh, turns out he was a gigantic asshole, which I thought was common knowledge now. I think it's kind of like one of those things. It's like almost like Bill Belichick. It's like, yeah, we know he's an asshole, but we like him because he's our asshole sort of thing. I think that's what Apple fanboys do. You know, it's like, yeah, we like that he had... Chinese people killed to make iPhones. <laughs> this is my neighbor, Steve Jobs. He is pain and asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we like that he broke into, he had police break into a Gizmodo employee's house because the guy had a prototype of a new iPhone or something. Just a, a whole litany of stories. And the big one, the one that will concern both biopics, Jobs and Steve Jobs, is Lisa. Who is Lisa? Lisa was his first daughter. That for a very long time he refused to admit paternity of her. He was also trying to invent a computer called the Lisa, which stood for Linear Integrated System Analytics or something, which was a made-up term, and which he later admitted. Um, 
anyway, it's like, I, I look, I feel bad for her specifically, not just because uh, he denied paternity, but also because, uh, boy, that guy is a dad. That's got to suck. Uh, it's, it's just that I, there's a lot of deadbeat dads out there you know there's a whole lot of antonio cromartis going around so it's kind of kind of tough to be like oh yeah that's the worst he ever did i'm like there's a stack of bodies over there that's a little bit worse but uh yeah the lisa thing but the lisa thing uh in inspires a whole lot of empathy for a lot of audiences so that's what we're going to build our two movies around so the first one was 2013 jobs and uh this one stars ashton kutcher this movie was not received particularly well, and I can see why. At best, this movie is laughably bad, and at worst, it is mediocre. It seems like those would be, you know, flip-flop, but really what I mean is I'm at my best where I watch jobs, and I don't smoke weed. I think I mentioned this before, but I feel like if you guys smoked weed, even though this movie seems like a mundane subject, you'd be laughing really, really hard. May I set the scene? Uh, Ashton Kutcher, as Steve Jobs, is talking with... Uh, uh, Chris Ann, who was his first girlfriend, who would later give birth to Lisa. She walks into the scene and she tells him, No, Steve, you don't understand. I'm pregnant with your child. And he denies it and he's angry. He's like, You can't do this to me right now. I'm trying to start Apple, the computer company. And she says, No, 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 it's your child. And he storms out like a, he throws a tantrum like a teenager, goes into his room, and he's doing the thing. Like he's staring into the mirror over his dresser. He's like, <sighs> And he's, he's, he's got, like, this lovely appearance. And then, I'm not making this up, okay? I'm seriously, I'm doing this. He tucks in his black shirt into his jeans and looks into the mirror. And it's like he's metamorphosed into, like, the turtleneck version of Steve Jobs. And I'm looking around like, what the fuck is... Wait, what, what are we doing with this movie? What's, what's going on here? Uh, there are several... There are about, what is that? Uh, 3,836 needle drops in this movie. And they're all covers of classic rock songs. There are no originals in this oh movie. Oh my god. Um, okay, maybe I have to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> there's a... Wait, what, what is the other scene that fucking makes no sense? Uh, there's a whole bunch of scenes of, uh, of Kutcher screaming. Now, I don't know if you guys think Ashton Kutcher is a good actor. I... Uh, I don't really have any strong opinions on him, but in this one, he plays Jobs maybe a little too well. Uh, apparently, Ashton Kutcher was like obsessed with Steve Jobs. He was like a big Jobs fan, so he wanted the role so he could do the best he can. And so, he first of all, he nails the look. Ashton Kutcher just looks like Steve Jobs looked, and when he's aged up, he looks just like him. Uh, he can do the hair, no problem, in any version of Jobs' life. He can do the facial hair, no problem, in any version of Jobs' life. He can do the intonation and he can do the cadence of Jobs. His pitch is a little too deep. And that's like the one problem with his thing. Because not only can he rock the clothes, Jobs Cutcher uh, also got into the same shape that Steve Jobs was in by pursuing a fruititarian diet. So he's got basically no muscle mass on his entire body. Uh... And the other thing that he does is he actually can do the Steve Jobs uh, posture. He can he actually walks like Steve Jobs walked. He's doing like the thing with a hunched shoulders and like this. And it, this is actually really funny to me. In every fucking scene, he's doing the this thing that Steve Jobs did. You know, like the holding the finger to the lips thing. That Steve, like every single picture, of Steve Jobs he's doing this, and Kutcher's doing this the entire fucking movie. Like he he'll walk like this in some scenes. And I'm just like, what the fuck am i watching and it's kind of alarming to me because i think the story is interesting if you want to see a really really good movie 
about Steve Jobs that's not just about Steve Jobs. It's actually about the entire industry. And it's also got Bill Gates in there. Anthony Michael Hall is Bill Gates. Watch The Pirates of Silicon Valley, one of the best movies I've ever seen, period. I fucking love that movie. And it's actually about everything that happened. And it's it's realistic and it's it's accurate. This Jobs is not accurate. And one of the worst of all of them is, I think I mentioned I like Steve Wozniak. Steve Wozniak actually invented the Apple One. He invented the Apple II. He did all the work. He's a real engineer. He's a real genius. One of the most important members in computers of our lifetime. And in this movie, he's played by Josh Gad. Ooh. <laughs> like it delayed. It took a second for that to wash over my body. Right? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. It's fucking sickening because, like, as... All this effort that Ashton Kutcher went to, like, look and sound like the character of Steve Jobs, Josh Gad said, fuck you. I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. His hair, he looks like Hagrid throughout the entire movie. It's fucking ridiculous. He doesn't look anything like Steve Wozniak. I think Woz deserves better. I, I really do. And I don't know. The, so the movie at some points would piss me off just with how inaccurate it was. In other points, I would just be like... I don't know what you fucking people are trying to do. Because it also kind of flips back and forth between the, boy, Jobs was a real asshole, to, boy, he was so inspiring, and he just wanted to sell computers and change the whole world. And uh, so it kind of feels like it's sucking him off at some points. And other points, it's just like, oh, Jobs is also kind of a jerk. And really, as far as I go, it's like the jerk stuff is like, not being a father to his own daughter. And then, like, midway through the movie, after he got fired from Apple, I... Oh, by the way, at one point Steve Jobs got fired from Apple. Uh, now all of a sudden he's a father to his daughter. It's just like, oh, now he's good, I guess. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was so fucking silly. Uh, I, again, smoke some marijuana if you want to watch Jobs. Now we move I mean, on I was to gonna until you said Josh. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and all that all that fucking dad rock covers. I, I mean, it's oppressive how many of those there are. Now we move on to the movie Steve Jobs. This is starring uh, Michael Fassbender, again, Oscar-nominated performance. And it's directed by one Danny Boyle, and it's written is, by... Is he a good director? Because he has so many movies he looked at, and it's like, is he a good director, or do I just like like three of these, and that's it? Well, we'll get to that. And it's written Ooh, by Aaron... Geez. And it's written by Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> yeah, oh. it is. Yeah, so here's the thing about Aaron Sorkin. For a while, I was like, oh, I think I like Aaron Sorkin, because he wrote The Social Network. I like The Social Network, and he also wrote A Few Good Men. I love A Few Good Men. What's so bad about Aaron Sorkin? Well, everyone loves his dialogue at Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, the movie, is filled with classic one-liners. Every single line is, it feels like something that's like the best line ripped out of a book and put into this movie. Almost sequentially, you're like, wow, that's a good line, that's a good line, that's a good line. But none of them happened. None of these are true. None of these people ever actually said any of this stuff. This is all just made up for a movie. And indeed, it's supposed to be structured that way. Uh, it's very much like The Social Network, which I'm not sure if I like anymore. Because I think that the invention of computers and the proliferation of them, that's interesting. I don't think Steve Jobs is interesting. And I don't think he's interesting enough to earn his own biopic. And I guess I'm in the minority there because he was a multi-billionaire and he changed the world by inventing a computer company. But I don't think that this was spectacular. And it was extremely critical of him, and he was very, very mean to a lot of important people, blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of the stuff I already knew. Uh, if I could summarize the way that this movie goes, there are three events in Steve Jobs' life that this covers. 
uh, it's really structured more like a play than anything else. The first one is the launch of the Macintosh back in, I think this was 1984, because there was the 1984 ad for the Super Bowl commercial. And, uh, yeah, we're living in it, buddy. Yeah, right? With Biden? Anyway, so like he's doing like a press conference for the release of this thing. And the second one, it, you never actually see him give the press conference. It's all the lead up to the stuff, like the behind the stage stuff as he gets ready for this. And, uh, oh yeah, Steve Wozniak, remember my favorite guy in competing history? He's played by Seth Rogen. I was about to say, isn't Seth Rogen in that, or did I imagine that? Yeah, Seth Rogen's in this, so... Uh, Dude, you definitely want to smoke weed to watch this one. So uh, the second I'm event, always saying that. Yeah, the second one is when he releases the uh, the next computer, NEXT. It was like a black cube. It was worthless. It didn't even have an operating system. What's the fucking point? And the third one was for the release of the iMac. You know, the stupid little looking thing. Uh, everyone was like, oh, wow, what a big stuff for computer. I don't know. Um, by the way, both movies uh, are about uh, Steve Jobs inventing the iPod. They like they have like a little line in there at the bottom, like one day I'm going to invent a device that fits in your pocket and can hold up to a thousand songs. And it's, it really feels like it's it's me, Ringo from the Fabulous Beatles. It's just <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so it's so fucking silly. And this one, I actually think this is the weirdest one of all because everyone hated Jobs and everyone loves the movie Steve Jobs, especially uh, they love Michael Fassbender's performance. I think Steve Jobs is the vastly inferior movie and the vastly inferior performance. Let's start off right off the bat here. Michael Fassbender doesn't look a thing like Steve Jobs. It's not even close. And for an Oscar, it's like, I, okay, I get it. You're really focusing more on the performance, and this is not intended to be a factual work. It's it's almost like you could treat this character like he's Charles Dickens, you know? Like the, the Charles Dickens movie I watched last week. You could just treat him like he's his own sort of character. These, these are his people who are visiting from his life. Steve Wozniak might as well be the ghost of Christmas past, you know? That's basically what they're doing here. I'm like, okay, sure, fine, I get it, but you might as well cast a guy who looks kind of like this individual. Apparently, they were originally going to go with... Uh, apparently, they they almost wanted Tom Cruise as Steve Jobs. He could probably pull it off. Too short. Uh, they, they originally... He could wear stilts. And he they were originally going to have uh, fucking Christian Bale. He could definitely pull it off. And they also wanted Leo. So, anyway, the uh, the rest of the movie is like... Okay, maybe yeah, he can... Yeah, we wanted the three biggest movie stars yeah. on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, instead, Michael Fassbender. Uh, so Michael Fassbender is almost like the polar opposite of Ashton Kutcher. He doesn't look anything like him. He doesn't really quite have the same cadence that he does, but he does the voice at the correct pitch. It, like especially after watching the documentary, it's like, oh wow, his voice is like right there. But he's not standing like him. He's not looking like him. The worst of all is in one of the shadows. He's wearing, like, the black turtleneck thing with the sleeves kind of rolled up. And you can, like, see his arm definition. You can, like, see the muscles on there from, like, a previous movie in which he probably had to bench press something. And you're like, come on. You, you really couldn't, like, stay away from the gym for, like, a fucking week for this movie? Because I, I don't want to see fucking Samson as, uh, with a, by the way, with the slicked back hair and everything. that It just doesn't look anything like it. It's so distracting. Anyway, the whole thing, it almost feels quippy. It's like quippy, but with like really good lines. I'm like, okay, these are great lines. I like them. They're fine, but like, it's it's not in service of anything that I really liked. And I understand what it's trying to do. It's trying to use the story of his relationship with his daughter to show that he is an imperfect man trying to do some good in the world. And as far as what what is good and for whom, that's debatable. 
I don't know. It's also the structure. So if I could just describe the structure of this movie, like I said, three press conferences. Every single movie is like, Steve, you're on in one minute. Oh, let me have this 30-minute conversation with someone else. If I was the person directing him, I would grab him by the fucking collar and throw him out onto the stage. I'm so sick of all these fucking conversations. Stellan Skarsgård is here to talk about your past. I'm like, I'm so sick of that. It's I don't know. It really irritated me because it gets a lot of stuff wrong. And it was... It just feels like everyone says that it's better than it is, and I'm I'm not going to be very nice to it when people overrate a movie. Speaking of, Alex, <laughs> some instructions I received in the mail today telling me, don't look up. <laughs> I, as soon as I saw it was Adam McKay, I could not skip past that fast enough. So Adam McKay. Yeah. <laughs> My exact response until I stewed on it and realized, oh, this is just going to be another mother for me. <laughs> like, I, I know exactly. I think I be. ended up writing that this was basically mother. You know, like uh, so. Adam McKay was uh, he did what Step Brothers and, uh, and Anchorman. Anchorman. Yeah, Anchorman, and, and I guess uh, uh, something else. Was something a, else that yeah, Battle of Ricky Bobby, like the the race. Yeah, yeah, Talladega Nights. Right. Yeah, 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 right, right, yeah. So you think of him as like the Will Ferrell goofy, screamy sort of comedy? No, I, I don't. don't. Think of him I have as... not for a long time, buddy. <laughs> when I say you, it's the royal you. You know, it's like a whole bunch of uh, stupid. I, I kind of feel like everybody yeah. saw The Big Short, so like I, I'm not sure. Oh that was right, okay, okay, like, okay. The Big Short. I will give him credit. Big yeah, Short. That movie's good. It was really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you, I, I guess a lot of people maybe don't think of him as like the satire guy, and I, I understand that he does <laughs> give a hoot and that he does not pollute. <laughs> So he decides that he will bring in Leonardo DiCaprio, who's been banging on about plastic water bottles or some shit on the Oscar stage for a while now. And uh, also Jennifer Lawrence as Jen Psaki, uh, as a scientist. And uh, who Saki, else is it? Dude, smoke we have to, like, seriously, Parker, her hair, that was intentional. That was like, <laughs> they were trying to do that. <laughs> she looks like Moe's from The Office. Oh my gosh, she does. <laughs> <laughs> Face your fear! <laughs> oh my god, I did not like her in this movie at all. Okay, so the story is Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence as Jensaki discover a comet is going to hit the Earth and wipe out all life as we know it, and that's really bad. Kind of, kind of like the specter of climate change, Parker. Oh. It's like oh, a I metaphor. Get it. It's like yeah. a metaphor. Oh, it's so, like Snowpiercer. I get it. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, it's like Snowpiercer. So here's one of the funny things. Uh, just a little behind the scenes. Whenever anyone has criticized this movie, Adam McKay has just responded with, uh, "Well, you don't get it. Satire," which is a real boss move. It's like the laziest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's, it's oh, it's because like this isn't how satire works. Right. Exactly. Two thousand nine posting energy. <laughs> I used to get it. Like. Yeah. You can't just say, like, oh, this thing is like this other thing. So it's a joke. It's like, no. No, it's not. Like, this yeah. is not... There, there's no there's no humor here, unless you're an idiot. But anyway, yeah. continue. So they report it to uh, NASA liaison, I guess. Is this... Uh, who's this? What's his name? What's his name? It's on the, the tip of my tongue. The guy from Hotel Rwanda. And Space Jam, The New Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that that made me think, oh, okay, I know who it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's his name? I forgot what his name is. I, I black guy. Would you like to know? Yeah. I, I I really I, wish I could remember his name. It's not looking it up. Yeah, yeah. God, I'm, it. I'm choosing to uh, to to block out everybody's names that were involved in this production so as to not yeah. taint the my Fair. of them going forward. So. Right. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't name anyone else in this. So they go to President Meryl Streep, 
and uh, she is such a nuisance in this. And the thing is, like, she's not doing a Trump. Like, because that would be too on the nose. And <laughs> no one would think that Don't Look Up is too on the nose. Uh, Meryl Streep has a son, played by Jonah Hill. He's the chief of staff. It's so now, much worse than just doing a Trump. Like, man, just do a Trump. Like, please. Yeah, seriously. Please, God, like, I, I would have rather yeah. Cheeto Man in this movie. Like, Yeah, because Meryl Streep, I always thought that she's been, like, pretty much overrated. I don't know that I've really liked her in anything besides Fantastic Mr. Fox. But, like... Whatever she's doing in this one is so over the top. It doesn't seem like a real person, you know. Yeah, well, it's how satire works, Chris. So, yeah, that's you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's satirizing. Uh, just didn't get know, it. Republicans, I guess. And Jonah Hill is her chief of staff, kind of like the Uday Kusay, oh. Ivanka Don Jr. sort of thing. It's literally. Fuck, oh my god. Like, and the thing is, like, I li- sit a chill down my yeah. spine. God now I li- now I like Jonah Hill. I think Jonah Hill is really fucking talented. I think he could do drama. I think he could do comedy. I think he's great. I think he's better than this. His character, he described it as, "What if Firefest were a person?" Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds funny, hey, Parker. That yeah, sounds funny. No, it, it not sounds on like purpose, it's a, it sounds like it's satirical, doesn't it? And so you know, you know what the worst part of it is. What? He's like easily giving the best performance in this movie. Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> like easily, of and yeah. it's not oh, close. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, it's not close at all. Like, like I genuinely think Leo's good in this movie. We'll get to Leo later. But, okay, we'll get yeah, but, we'll get to Leo later. But uh, and, uh, but just every single tweet that's like, "Fuck, they need to put Jonah Hill in Succession." It's like, all right, cool, you guys get it. Yes, yeah, that yeah. that is correct. Yeah. That is somebody that should be in something that's actually satirical. <laughs> Okay, so here's an example of... I I laughed two times. Actually, I didn't laugh at the first one. I did laugh at the second one. Of uh, One of the good lines in here is said by Jonah Hill. That's the chief of staff. Uh, At one point, uh, I think they... What do they go to like a bar or something like that? And and uh, Jennifer Lawrence reveals uh, that there's a comet that's going to hit the Earth or something like that. And it, it could cause a panic or something like that. So the CIA kidnaps her, puts a black bag in her head... And uh, she's telling jokes while she's under the black bag. See, because it's like dark humor. It's a uh, it's this ain't your like grandchildren's kind of comedy. In this a is literal like, sense because she R. can't see anything. Yeah, this is R-rated, Parker. I don't think you're ready for it. And oh, uh, and they take her to President Meryl Streep, which she's already been to. So the audience and Jennifer Lawrence are wondering what's with the black bag. We didn't need that at all. And uh, as it turns out, uh, she, jo- Jonah Hill says to her, and Jonah Hill clearly does not like her character, which uh, mirrors the audience's experiences. And he says to her, oh, by the way, that was me who decided to put the black bag on your head. And she says, you know what? I had a feeling it was you. And he says, well, good, because it was my idea and it was funny and cool. And I, I don't know why, but the way that he says it was funny and cool for me to put a black bag on your head is... I don't know, that uh, that, that did a lot for me, and uh, nothing else did. Um, who else is it? Well, I guess maybe we can talk about Leo now. Uh, um, Leo well, plays... <laughs> Before that, there's a scene I want to hit on while they're in the White House okay. the first time. Because, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, hey, Parker, you like metaphors, right? Oh, man. Never Parker's met what I didn't like. Let's yeah, hear it, baby. Come yeah, on. So, Got uh, you, bitch. I felt it. So what Damn. if I told you the uh, the uh, the the Space Force general that escorts them all to the White House, like uh, no. goes to get them snacks, Stop. and uh, he comes back, he's like, yeah, they charge an arm and a leg in here. He's gonna be ten dollars for all your snacks. And then like five minutes later, Jennifer Lawrence walks into the kitchen, and some lady tells her the snacks are actually free. You get it? You get it? Can't believe that they would do that. You know, here's the problem: you know, is they repeat this. 
they repeat this fucking joke throughout the entire movie. Like, this was their big seller. Like, they they really like this fucking joke. Hey, guys, did you know that we spend too much money on defense? Anyway, next scene. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, Ron Perlman. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Boy, Ron Perlman is, like, he's the MAGA caricature in the movie. And look, the, it's literally the fucking the the Navy SEAL that got that got thrown in jail for war crimes and got pardoned. Like yeah, like he's that. The, uh, yeah. So in the movie, like he's it's so over the top. When the comet, like in the third act, when the comet's about to hit Earth, he's literally firing his guns at it, and you're like, yeah. oh, that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there is okay. So they come up with a solution for how to. Uh, how to defeat the well stop oh, the comet. There's, there's so much more before you even get I, I know i know but, but like i wait i kind of want to do this just for can i just do this for like the wrong do your thing? thing do your thing okay thanks so first of all they decide no we're not going to do anything about it because uh we don't care because it's science haha elected officials don't listen to the science they don't believe in the... anyway they they decide they revisit the numbers like okay fine it's an election year. We need some help because Meryl Streep released a porn tape and she has a tramp stamp. So uh, we need to get, get the it. voters back. So we're going to stop the. Uh, yeah, it's like comedy. Hey, you, and, the viewer, uh, look how stupid yeah. you are. Look at the things yeah. you care about. Yeah. So they were like, uh, they're like, okay, we will use a whole bunch of nuclear missiles and uh, deflect the comet. And uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, as Dr. Fauci says, wow, that's a great idea. And. Uh, Hey, wait a second. Why, why don't you just do this remotely? Because like we have drones and stuff like that, so just fly the nukes into it and it'll be fine. And they're like, no, America needs a hero, so they're just going to send Ron Perlman out there to blow himself up. And some anyway, I, I bring up the scenes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I bring up the scenes specifically because as Ron Perlman is flying up there, which by the way, isn't this like the climax of Independence Day? With the like, this would be the end of any other movie. It's like. Pretty clearly, you know that he's going to stop and turn around because of, we'll get to it. But uh, as he's going up there, he's like, oh, I just want to say, uh, how, how do I do it, Perlman? Oh, I'm not going to bother. That uh, yeah. Well, you know, if, uh, if I want to thank anyone, I'd like to thank the Indians, both the Dodd and the Feathers. You know, what have you guys ever teamed up? I'm like, is this just a Cumbtown bit? They just, they were listening to <laughs> it Mullen? It feels like just, one. Yeah. It's like, when, and it just stops. It just, he didn't even go anywhere with it. They just cut him off. Uh, I guess, Alex, perhaps we should get to a guy that I would say is an amalgamation be- behind, uh, or between I'm, I, Steve... I, I, I got, I'm rewinding, like, 45 minutes before we move Okay, on. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Let's... Uh, you see, I, the, I think the most frustrating thing about this movie, like, it isn't even just the fact that it's so on the nose and so, like, wagging its finger at the viewer. It's fucking Adam McKay making jack-off motions while he, like, pretends that he is in tune with the cultural zeitgeist. Cause, oh, like, yeah. Like, they they go on, you know, some, you know, fucking cable news morning show. Oh, right, and, like, yeah, all the hosts are, like, joking thing. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um... And then Jennifer Lawrence has, like, a freakout. She's like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, you need to be taking this seriously. We're all gonna fucking die. So what does Adam McKay do? He runs a montage of people making her a meme on social media. Because, uh, yeah, you know, society. <laughs> that's how it works. Don't you get it? So, Parker, this, might fa- this, might, this whole scene might sound familiar to you. This is, in fact... Episode three of Frisky Dingo. They just did. <laughs> they just did. I mean, it's almost word for word what they copy and do in there. <laughs> it's it, it all comes down to Kill Face saying, "You're all doomed to just stomping away." No mention of the Lennox Avenue ladybugs. So 
just, I mean, it, it's really absurd. And the thing is, like I mentioned Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, as the Anthony Fauci thing. What I really should have said is he's the Anthony Fauci slash Robert Mueller, like liberal heartthrob sort of thing. Because as far as Jennifer Lawrence was, she's the crazy shrieky one who everyone thinks is like hysterical and like no one likes her or whatever. Yeah, guys don't like Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, is the sexy doctor. Uh, yeah. Which, uh, by the way, oh, I've, which yeah. totally kind of really drove home the Anthony Fauci thing for me because I saw like the Anthony Fauci cookbook in which he's like on the cover, like photoshopped onto like a shirtless like male hunk sort of thing with like the the fucking kiss the cook apron or something like that. And it's just like God damn, why are Democrats like this? Why do they have like the Robert Mueller how he plumped Donald Trump or something like that? It's just like he's got this huge fucking body. Why are Democrats so fucking weird about sex? It's it's a fucking scene. Why can't they like, be normal like Republicans? It okay, is so impossible. Anyway. <laughs> it is impossible to not think about the bit over Cavs cramping tweet when you're watching. Oh this. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it absolutely. is literally impossible. Which right, exactly. <laughs> by the way, one of the two scenes in this movie that made me laugh was Leo not able to come down for dinner because he was arguing with people on Twitter. Oh yeah, that was a. <laughs> I respect it. <laughs> I was like, see, okay, actually, I want to hit on that scene because it applies to a whole bunch of other scenes. There are a whole bunch of ideas in this movie that I think might have actually worked. And I understand where they're going for. It's like if you had expanded upon this or done it in a different way, some of this might have worked. A scene that, like, first of all, that's a really good one. But, like, another one that I think is in a similar vein is the Ariana Grande thing. This talk show with uh, with Tyler Perry and uh, I don't remember the other actress. Uh, their first guest, remember A Block, is Ariana Grande as, I don't even remember the name of the singer. Uh, she's going through a breakup and this is considered more important than a comet that's about to destroy all of Earth. Parker, this is satirical, part. okay? It's not serious, it's just a comedy. So, it, it's like, it's, I, I think it's a decent enough scene. I do think it's... Yeah, it's a little on the nose, but it's like it's fairly accurate. A lot of people care more about pop uh, music than they do about, you know, actual science and things that are going on in the world. And like, okay, that's fine. This scene goes on for fucking ever. It takes so fucking long. It's so irritating. And it's like, you know, if you had actually tightened this up a bit, besides getting out all of your stand-up comedy set notes out, this might have been a halfway decent movie. But Adam, Deca Adam McKay just, I don't know, it feels like he has so much contempt for his audience. It's and that that really does like hammer it home. And the biggest like argument I had with somebody about this movie is like the the person who liked this was basically saying like it's not shame on you, it's shame on all of us. Like he's turning it on himself, like which I don't agree. I I very much don't agree because as we'll get to the end of the movie with like Leo's whole, you know, like re quote unquote redemption arc, it's like, oh, cool. This is the Brian Griffin of this movie. Got it. Thanks, Adam. Yeah. Okay. Fuck yeah. yourself. Uh, we'll, but, we'll get to Brian Griffin. Uh, but uh, the, <laughs> the problem with like Leo in this, I think you, you said Leo's giving a good performance. I think it's uh, adequate. Uh, I think I it's a nothing Leo. part. It, it's basically. Yeah, it's it. also, like, yeah, it is also. Like, he's a doing a lot part. with ho not a whole lot to work with. I feel like I Adam McKay was actually expecting more from this because I really do think he was trying to do like the Fauci thing and there is sort of something to be said for the fact that they turned him into the sexy doctor it was like oh that is actually kind of parodying like the, the liberal tendency to turn these people into like our heroes you know it's like oh I'm I people buying Anthony Fauci candles and stuff like that and praying to them it's like he was on the cover of Mad or I don't know Time Magazine as like a, oh look at America's sexy doctor or something like that right and I was like oh that's a decent enough idea but the movie 
plays it a little too seriously. And he gets into a relationship with uh, the Tyler Perry co-host or whatever and cheats on his wife. And uh, she just forgives him at the end of the movie because, uh, I don't know. Well, everyone's going to die. So, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That probably has a little something to do with it. but I suppose. I don't fucking care. Uh, it's, it just seems to me like uh, the character doesn't have like a whole lot of meat to it, whereas McKay kind of wanted maybe uh, Leo to go a little bit further. Now, Leo's been pro-environment for longer than we've been comfortable with it. Uh, so I kind of feel like he had a lot of hand in the production here. Uh, other actors appear throughout this. Chris Evans is in a cameo role. I was expecting to like his scene a lot more than I was. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was a... Uh, boy, that was fucking dull. Now, Evans has been like this for a while. I, we've seen his tweets and stuff. And he's just... I've seen that guy's oh. hog. Yeah, it's, he's a very yeah he's a very orange man bad kind of guy, which is a shame. He's a really good actor. I'll watch him in anything except for this. Uh, who else is in this? Oh yeah, Timothy Chalamet is in this. Boy, remember those like two movies I liked him in? Look, it's one of those things where you can tell that like you know some casting call went out to Greater Hollywood, and they're like, hey, Adam McKay's doing a climate change movie, and just everybody like rushed to like pound down his door to try to be in it. Yeah. But uh. But also, the scene near the end where uh, <laughs> fucking uh, Leo and Jennifer Lawrence and Timothy Chalamet show up at Leo's like ex-wife's house, <laughs> and Timothy Chalamet immediately asks her if she games and gives his Twitch yeah. handle, <laughs> actually made me belly laugh. Oh, and so completely vindicated his performance. So, so the one that got me from Timothy Chalamet is uh, they're shopping at the shopping mart for uh, their final dinner together. And they're like, oh, we should get potatoes. What are those potatoes? Are those little potatoes I like? What are they called? Fingerling potatoes. And Timothy Shelley is like, fucking love fingerling potatoes! And I was like, I don't know why, but I know a lot of people like that who would say it's, dumb shit like that. It's it's like a it's like a pretty solid dipshit stoner character performance from a guy yeah. that you wouldn't expect to ever be in this, like, four-scene part. In this but movie. also but, yeah. a less-than-nothing part. A part that oh, yeah, absolutely doesn't, doesn't need to be there. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, I want to be in your movie. Yeah. Okay, tell so, us three jokes. So one of the interesting things, I don't know how much you guys know about uh, movie history, but the movie It's a Mad, 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 Mad World was, they were supposed to make it like the biggest comedy of all time. It's going to, you know, crisscrossing globe and all this other stuff, the sun for money. And they were going to get all the big comedians from Hollywood. And they got all of them and they got even more because other people were like, hey, you're casting that guy in it? Why? My act's better than his. Put me in the movie. And people would be in there for eight seconds. And it's a star-studded cast. And I saw someone on Twitter compare this movie to It's a Bad, 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 Bad World. Just being like, no, you guys don't understand. It's just a whole bunch of uh, Hollywood stars getting together to try to tell us to care about the environment. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> what a horrible idea. All right, let's... Uh... Oh, I get it, because, like, the world's at stake, but they're talking about Ariana Grande. Okay, it's, that's pretty funny, it's, actually. No, it's, I just it's, got it. Yeah, it's just that's satire, good. though. So it's not like it's... Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, Mr. McHale. All right, McKay, let, I'll, I'll all right, all right let's, uh, let's get to your favorite character, the tech bro, now. Oh, boy, this fucking guy. So this character was, like, uh, a combination between Elon Musk and Steve Jobs and... I didn't think about this when I watched it, but now I think more about it. Okay, yeah, there's a little bit of Mark Zuckerberg in there. I will say his voice is uh, practically one to one with the same pitch as Steve Jobs. Like it sounds it's like Winnie really the right Pooh. There. Like <laughs> it's it really does sound like if you watch like the Steve Jobs documentary, you're like, oh, that's what he watched before he did this. Uh, he doesn't have the same cadence. He doesn't have the same like you know rhythm to the way that he speaks. But it's it's basically the same pitch, and you'd listen to it, and you'd be like, oh, that's what he's doing. It, he kind of looks like what does he look like? 
Uh, he's got like the white hair combed over. He's just, it just looks really stupid. Anyway, he's the evil capitalist who uh, he doesn't want us to destroy the, uh, the comet that's going to hit Earth because the comet has all sorts of valuable resources in it. Uh, I will say Jennifer Lawrence puts it well when she says, there's a bunch of gold in the comet and they want to get rich and also die. And uh, I was like, oh, I guess that really is their plan. Then I thought of it, I was like, well, that's fucking stupid. And I, I understand that it's like, okay, I guess maybe there's some sort of analogies with capitalism and uh, global warming and stuff like that. And like, I get it. And then I thought of it, I was like, wait, no, I'm saying I get it to this movie. See, Don't Look Up tries to be network, but it ends up being more like Mother. You know? It's your favorite movie. Yeah, they literally, I, I, the one I really liked. They literally have a dramatic scene where they launch Ron Perlman's space mission to, uh, you know, go destroy the, the comet, and then all of them turn around because they got a better idea than it was to make money. Yeah. Like, they literally have the spaceships turn around in the air. Do you get it? Do you yeah. get it? Um, and, and again, it's, like, so fucking on the nose because they're just, like, literally you can't, like, make a whole bunch of money if you're dead. Even the capitalists realize that. So what they do is they're going to have uh, a privately funded, uh, you know, it was like private sector solution to this. So they're obviously doing, like, the whatever Elon Musk's company is. Uh, you know, the one where he went to outer space and it was, like, really fucking lame. Uh, they're going to do that, and they're going to blow the uh, comet up into various chunks, which will still kill a whole lot of people, but they can still mine the resources. Anyway, that whole mission fails, and it's too late for them to do anything, just like global warming. Yeah, and, the, uh, the entire fucking third act of this movie is just like Leo going, oh no, I actually don't want to be the elites, I just want to be a good guy that helps people again. And then he's like nice for 15 minutes, and we're supposed to feel bad for him at the end when everyone dies. Cause yeah. Because like, well, you know, I didn't do enough, but I tried the best I could. Like it's, it's yeah it's oh there, there's so much contempt for the audience and also there really is a lot of pandering and I know you said that's not the problem with the movie I wouldn't say it's the problem but certainly a problem it is one of the ones where like people can call it too on the nose and you're like well I mean it doesn't matter if it's too on the nose it's about global warming it's like yeah then I'll just care about global warming I don't need this movie to do it this movie it's, doesn't make me care about global warming it makes exactly. me want to nuke the whales. And, and this is the, this is the thing about this movie is like this movie's not going to convince anybody because if you're yeah. already the kind of person that agrees with this movie, you will probably clap along like a seal and love it. And if you're anybody yeah. else, you're going to be like, "Fuck you, dude! Like, what is this? This sucks!" Like, yeah. And and so like, it's one of those things where like, I, I don't think like this movie specifically is like important or anything, but I do feel like somebody needed to make a movie like this, and we got the worst possible version of it. Oh, it's yeah. kind of like like it's I can't believe I'm making this comparison, but it's kind of like you know when Colin Kaepernick was the one to stand up for you know like rights and stuff, and it's like man, could we have gotten like a good player instead? Like I don't want to have to pretend <laughs> that Colin Kaepernick is good at quarterback. Yeah, like, that's fair. Like it's it's like it's really important that someone did it, but like could could we have gotten somebody else like? anybody else could we have gotten the guy that's not going to make a movie where like as the credits are showing before we get to the end credit scene in this fucking movie um that didn't you know he's like showing all of like the junk that got blown off earth floating through like space after the comet hits and you know it's a bunch of little things from the movie that you would recognize like oh this thing from that scene oh like this guy's hat and then just the merrill lynch bull like it, it, I, I stood yeah. up and yelled at the TV. I uh, just. 
Oh, Parker, 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 Parker. Yeah, what's up, man? Park, okay. Guess the runtime for this. 2.15. Longer. Is it longer? What the it's fuck? Not much longer, no right? way. This is, it's, I believe it was 2 hours, 38 minutes. Uh, that, That's that impossible. Long. That feels long, but maybe. Okay, I'm going to Google it right now. I mean, I believe. Don't look I, I, I thought it was like 2.15, so. Let me... Check oh, it flew by for you. Oh, never mind. Okay, well, split the difference. It was two twenty-five. All right. Um, Felt like three I'm hours. I'm just gonna hold on to seven Dragon Balls until y'all forget this movie exists. <laughs> I will be goddamn. Never gonna happen, buddy. Don't worry. Um, but uh, I have one other like major, major, major complaint with this movie that goes beyond everything we've talked about. So, Too you know, similar to Veep. I haven't actually watched it. Oh, me neither. I wouldn't have seen it. Um, actually, that could be a sign. You know, like like we gave you this whole like rundown of like all of this shit that like cheeky little Adam McKay did to satirize America, and like we even left stuff out, like when Ariana Grande has her concert for the comet, and they decide to do that thing that one of our favorite movies, Spree, does, where they have like Twitch chats show up on the screen, and it's just to do like five lines. The last one can be an OnlyFans joke. Get it? Because the cultural zeitgeist, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, all of that, like, you know what the message of this movie is. You know what's going to happen. You know everyone dies. And then, like, ten minutes before the end of the movie, they reveal that actually the big bad elites had a spaceship the whole time. They're just going to leave. And it completely murders the message of the movie. Because if the message of the movie is, like they said, quote-unquote, supposed to be, like, if we don't start acting differently, then, like, you know, we're all going to die. Like... Which I think we agree, whether it's effective or not, is what the intent is here. Like, to have that and just be like, oh, actually, everything in this movie was for absolutely nothing. Because the elites are just going to blast off to space anyway. And none of this matters. All of it doesn't matter. Everything that every character did in this movie, irrelevant. Because the elites were going to hang everybody out to dry anyway. It's like, alright, so cool. What is this, disaster porn now? Like, what are we doing? Like, it, it does. Yeah, that's a good ruins point. the message of the movie. Which was already stupid and hackneyed to begin with. Oh, oh yeah, by the way, I'm going to spoil something for everyone listening to this, so if you don't want to watch this two and a half hour dog shit movie, turn it off now, but then resubscribe. Uh, there is a final line of the movie that Leonardo DiCaprio uh, ad-libbed. He says, we really had everything, didn't we? This line sucks dick, and I don't like it, so. Sorry, oh, that's my it, criticism. It's, it's okay, because deep in the future, the elite spaceship lands on another planet, and then they get eaten by dinosaurs. So, uh. Glad you stuck around through the credits of this Netflix movie. Oh, Parker, you think it's funny? Because it's satire, right? Because it's yeah. like a parody? Oh, I thought you were joking. Oh, no, I'm serious. I'm 1,000% oh. serious. It's satire, Parker. It's yeah, not it's, it's a sequel tease, you know, for when... Yeah. yeah. Oh, Don't look up to... I, I thought you were joking. No. Dude, okay, so, Parker, you want to know how the movie gets its title, Don't Look Up? Okay, so here's how it works. No. Uh... Okay, so uh, there's a <laughs> there's a there's a scene where like uh, Jennifer Lawrence and uh, fucking Leonardo DiCaprio are trying to do a social media crusade because social media is how you convince the young people, and they're just saying just look up, you will see the comment, and know that we need to do something about this, and they're just chanting just look up, just look up, and then uh, Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill come up with a different campaign that says don't look up, and they're chanting don't look, they're, what is it? don't look up, don't look up, they're chanting don't look up, don't look up, and it sounds really close to let's go brandon you know and it's it's just a little too on the nose it's 
And I, like, I keep saying that a little too on the nose, and a lot of people have just said, oh, don't you think that it doesn't matter because it's climate change? I'd be like, look, this could be about COVID, this could be about anything, all right? What I wanted was a good movie. I don't think that's too much to ask. There's just, the more I remember this movie, like, the more dog shit scenes come back to me. Like, yeah. like Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence, after her life has been ruined for trying to tell people about the, the, the comet, like, going back to visit her parents, and her parents being like, I don't want any politics in this house. We believe that blowing up the, the comet for resources is a good idea. Like, yeah, it's, like, it's come we, on. Yeah, we're for the jobs. Yeah, just, I, <laughs> it's, it's physically exhausting to watch this movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing. Is like it again. Adam McKay. No one's beneath his contempt, man. Smartest guy in the room, baby. Love to be talked down to by the guy who made Step Brothers. Yeah, us Hollywood elites. We did our job. It's. It is really funny to imagine this movie is just like the first two acts are Adam McKay making silly little comedies and then going, I can't believe instead of saving the world, I made Anchorman. But uh. That's about the only good interpretation of this movie because it fucking sucks, dog dick. Yeah, it's and the thing is, it's probably going to be represented at the Academy Awards. That's going to be really funny. Oh god, I hope not. No, oh, it totally is, dude. It's somehow going to win best editing, even though it had the worst editing. That usually is how that category goes. So that makes sense, but yeah, that's fair. Well, uh, well, Alex, what else did you watch? Unless you All have right. something more on this, because uh, no, we, got... we could go even longer. I've got a handful of stuff. But uh, yeah, I, like most of it, I don't have a ton to say about. I'm gonna start on okay. the small screen. So Parker, you want to hear about the book of Boba Fett? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Because uh, they oh. just didn't bother okay. to try to tell me anything in that 40 minute episode. It's like uh, starts off with him in the uh, in the in the Sarlacc pit, and he gets out, and he just fucks around and like he gets captured by these guys, and then he's free, and then he gets captured by these other guys, and that's all to bring us to the present day. Because you know what we needed. A 45-minute scene to tell us how Boba Fett got from the Sarlacc to the present day. Because what if there were continuity questions? I mean, what if you, uh... What if you, you just, uh, didn't want to go to Wikipedia and you needed to know exactly how we got from point A to point B to start this series? What if we did that before anything in the actual series happens? Because you're just such a little piggy, you're gonna watch it anyway. Like, this isn't even an episode. Like, nothing fucking happens. I didn't even want to watch this, and I'm mad that I watched it. Like... <laughs> I liked your realization when you learned that. Oh yeah, this is also going to be once a week. It's just knowing nerf, that you've committed like the next fucking cares about Boba Fett. Uh, but that's how Disney does all their shows on there. I, if you care about Boba Fett, you're a fucking virgin. Like there's just like there's I, no I don't, way around but I am. Like, <laughs> <laughs> both can be true. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that you need to care about Boba Fett to be a virgin, or, or like if you are a virgin, you'll care about Boba Fett. But if you do care about Boba Fett, like <laughs> yeah. And never in my life have I wondered how we got out of the Sarlacc pit. Because even as a child, I was like, oh, he probably just used the rocket on his jetpack or shot it. I don't know. He has armor on. He probably just shot his way out of it. I've never needed to see it or have it confirmed because I have imagination. And it's probably cooler than whatever's going to be on screen. Yep. Turns out you're right. Hell yeah. Another W for 12-year-old Parker. All right. What else we got here? Um... So I'm going to leave most of the Finding Magic Mike heavy lifting to Parker because it is his assignment. However, Chris, there is an important detail I need to tell you about the first episode that Parker neglected to mention last week. Please do. So uh, the first episode is like, it starts off, you know, like the American Idol style. Like, you know, there's a lot of people. Like they, they, They're cutting down from like 50, 50 hopefuls to 10. And then the 10 are the ones like you follow throughout the series as they start getting like eliminated and stuff. 
So it's just, like, these 50 dudes in a room, and they all have numbers, and, like, they're all, like, kind of doing their thing. And, you know, obviously not all of them are going to make it, but, uh... Like, you're watching, and you see, like, some of these guys in the background. Because, again, this is a, a group of 50 people that tried out for the Magic Mike reality show, so you're undoubtedly going to get some characters. And there's this one fucking old guy in the back who... <laughs> he is literally the living embodiment of Paul Phoenix, dude. Like, like absolute dead ringer. Sad to report, this guy does not make it further in the show, so, like, you won't have to, like, go through all of that. However, there's, like, four scenes where it's like, oh, 33's back there working. It's just, like, an old dude breakdancing in sunglasses with the Paul Phoenix haircut. It's unbelievable, dude. You know, breakdancing so is more of an Eddie Gordo thing, so I, I hope he does the fighting stance. I, I mean, at some point, you know, you gotta move past the games and realize that everybody's gonna eventually copy the best fighting style that's ever been <laughs> So... <laughs> I don't think you can blame Paul for that. But, uh, yeah. Is your favorite part of the show so far where they learn the dolphin dive and then every single one of them does it every time they dance? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> they all learn the one move and go, sick, I'll just do this. <laughs> I'm like six episodes in, I think. So when I finish it, we'll, uh, yeah, I we'll have a long conversation. <laughs> I, I figured. I, like, you're, you're ahead of where I am right now, but I, it's, it's so good. <laughs> like about, I'm more than halfway through the season, and they're still like, damn, I'm just really nervous about taking my shirt off. Like, why are you here? <laughs> what is the point of you being here, dude? Oh, God. Can we agree that the live show looked like the coolest thing in I fucking go. history? I actually I want to go so bad, dude. It looks so cool. God, can you imagine? I was like, making the jerk off motion like party. the whole episode. Oh, yeah, dude. Just, just like, eating 17,000 calories and then going to the Magic Mike show. It looks unbelievably turned. <laughs> it looks so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe these people know what they're doing. I've been yelling, pull your hog out for six straight episodes and no one's done it yet. <laughs> what, are we, what are we even doing? Cowards. All these people like, I'm just not comfortable with myself. Like, all you have to do is pop your shirt off and dance to fucking Omarion. Like, it's fine. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> don't go to a Magic Mike competition if you're scared to get your shirt off. <laughs> or do, because it's great for us. It is. That Asian dude is my favorite. <laughs> Every time they talk to me, talk about, yeah, I'm just not really, I just want to get more confidence sexually with my girlfriend. I'm like, so you're going on television and learning how to dry hump strangers because you were a 30-year-old virgin and you want to give it to your girlfriend harder? That dude is living. He is the main character. Absolutely. I'm following him to the end of the earth. <laughs> um, one last small screen thing I watched. I watched an uh, HBO miniseries called Station Eleven, which is, I guess, based on a novel that came out a few years ago. Um, Station Eleven is a story about a uh, a global flu that kills like 90% of the population and like... It cut. It time jumps back and forth between like the events as they're happening, as people are reacting to it, and like what's going on in the future. Um, it was like I, I'm not trying to sound like hokey, but it was like weirdly therapeutic to like watch a modern piece of media about like how people respond to a pandemic because like I don't know, like it's something that all of us just went through, and so like it's kind of like. It's cool that this thing came out a few years before it all happened, and, like, they, you know, they recorded it, and, like, they obviously realized, like, the salience of everything that's going on. It's, like, that's kind of neat. Like, I, and, like, I already love that form of media anyway, but just being, like, 
you know, being like, hey, we have to quarantine you in this private plane for a month, and then, like, they come out, and all of a sudden people are wearing masks. It's like, yeah, while you were in there, we decided we were gonna do this. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is, uh, this is very, uh, it's not, like, presented as on the nose, but, you know, you can't help but reflect on things that have happened. And that part's really cool. And then everything that happens in the future is kind of boring. So it's like, man, I wish that that just wasn't in this show. But apparently that's how the novel's structured, and from what I can tell, this novel has gotten very, very middling reviews. Although I guess a lot of people read it, which counts for something. So, uh, yeah, um, you can do worse with a seven-episode show, but, like, you don't need to watch this unless, like, you're really just, like, working through some shit. If you are, like, this is actually a pretty solid recommend. Like, a lot of it, and the way, just, like, watching people... And the way they change their behavior towards one another as they gain information and stuff. Like, it's it's interesting. It's anthropologically in interesting, if not an amazing show. Yeah, pretty good. Um, it's just, it'd be fun to revisit, like, dealing with the pandemic now that we're out of it. Let me just check my <laughs> Oh, let me see. We've gotten a alert that someone at work got COVID every day for the last week. It's fine. Is that good? We're all past it. Must be nice it's to fun. get the alerts. <laughs> anyway. It's not great. Yeah, let's let's move on to some wow. some other movies I watched. Just a couple here, and I don't have a ton to say about most of them. Uh, I had never seen Crimson Tide before, and decided to throw it on the other day. And uh, wow, turns out that movie's really good. Turns out when you get Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington in a movie where they're at odds on a submarine, it's really really fucking good. Um, the first song I ever learned was the No Fight <laughs> <Jack White> song. Yeah, uh, submarine movies are uh, pretty hit or miss, and this is definitely a hit. So, um, if for some reason you, like me, have not seen this 25-year-old movie with two incredibly good famous people acting in it, like, yeah, worth your time. Um, Reminds me of the Hunt for Red October party picture. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know why I'm defecting with the submarine. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely one of the funniest memes I've seen in the like, yeah, That one's really movies. fucking it's good. So, good. <laughs> so specific. <laughs> it's like if you know, you know, and if you don't, right. like, what am I looking at? Um, right, yeah. For some reason I just like I got it into my head this week that uh one day I was just gonna like fire up Netflix, which I never do, and scroll through their movie selection as I do like once every three months and just watch stuff that sounds sort of interesting, even though I know like it's gonna be a bunch of wet farts. So, uh, I watched a movie from 2020 called Ava, starring Jessica Chastain, um, uh, uh, Colin Farrell, and John Malkovich, and, like, she's, like, a spy, and John Malkovich is her handler, and, and, or, she's not, like, a spy so much as she is an assassin, I guess, that would be a better way to put it, and she's, like, an assassin, but, like, she's, like, going through some head stuff, and then Colin Farrell's, like, we have to take her out, because she's a threat to the firm, or fucking whatever, and it's possibly the most generic version of that movie that could exist and uh i can't say i was bummed about it because like i watched the whole thing and it was like 92 minutes which is part of the reason i press play but uh man if you've seen any movie in that genre you've seen this one literally just the most formulaic fucking thing i've ever seen in my life you can do worse but you can do a lot better uh immediately following that <laughs> I watched a movie from 2008 called Eagle Eye, in which Shia LaBeouf faces off against an evil computer that wants to murder oh. the entire U.S. line of succession because they're not doing their oh, jobs. I, I have not thought of that in a long time. Buddy, Mr. Ford is same. back. Same. 
Uh, this is a movie that had been completely blanked from my mind, and then I scrolled over, and I saw his stupid face, and I saw the production budget, and I'm like, well, I, I guess I gotta watch this. And, uh... Man, big week for movies that are on the nose. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> like, this one's it's, it's fun enough. It's like a... It's a big budget, like, sci-fi thriller that's like close to two hours in runtime with Shia LaBeouf coming out of a time period in which, you know, you're following the Bourne movies and everyone's starting to become, you know, they're starting to get to the levels of paranoia about the government and stuff that they're at now. And then an evil computer tries to kill the president during the State of the Union. And uh, Shia LaBeouf has a twin who was like a secret agent. And so like the computer, what? the computer needs shot. So his twin gets hit by a bus because the computer engineers it. But the computer <laughs> also knows that he has a twin. So like the, this Shia LaBeouf gets like blackmailed by the well, I guess I can't think of a better way to put it than blackmailed. The computer calls his phone repeatedly and tells him if he doesn't do something, then people are going to start dying. And then you're like, they actually start dying. So he starts doing it and listening and, like, Michelle Monaghan's, like, son has been kidnapped by the computer because he's on a train and computers can run trains, I guess. I don't know. Um, so, like, they're both doing their thing. And they need Shia because, like, they need his, like... They didn't do the biometric verification that the other... That his twin had access to in order to activate the plan that's going to kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia. I mean, the entire cabinet during the State of the Union. Uh, so, computers can take over. And, uh... <laughs> Turns out it's uh <laughs> it's a movie. <laughs> if that sounds remotely appealing to you, you can fire this up. If it doesn't, you don't need to watch this. You do I'm not firing it up shortly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's like a way stupider enemy of the state. It's like the best way I can think to describe it because it's like a freely dumb fucking movie. Other than like the 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 lady Microsoft Sam computer just talking into his phone all the time, which is got some laughs from me, but uh, yeah, just uh, really a product of its era. Like, I I coming off watching all the fucking Bourne movies, it's like, well, three of these movies at least, if not all four that I watched, are older than this movie, and also feel like they're ten years more recent. It just, man, two thousand eight media hits different. Um. Two more things here. Uh, I watched a Jesse Eisenberg movie this week. Uh-oh. Oh. 30 so, minutes uh, or less. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's the thing about American Ultra. It is a movie with a... Oh, with wow. a Man. You watched this? A lot, uh, I was not in a clear state of mind when I watched that. Yeah, that's... Eh, maybe for the best. It's the only way to sit through that movie. So, wow. I actually liked Friend it. the show. I, I, like, so, Jesse Eisenberg sucks. We all know that. But, like, the one thing he can do is play an absolute fucking Yeti. And he is the most Yeti character of all time in this. Because he is a, uh... Former CIA asset who has been, like, brainwashed when they, like, canceled the program. And is now just a neurotic stoner. And so, it's just him being anxious and living with Kristen Stewart. And, like forgetting that he's cooking with like cooking eggs and almost burning the house down just apologizing 17 times and then going to draw comics at his fucking job at the convenience store just like literally if you've ever like known like one of those guys that just like is like yeah i have a ton of mental health issues and i self-medicate with weed yeah jesse eisenberg in this movie absolutely hits it out of the park in that role 
And uh, then he gets activated because the bad guy, Topher Grace, is trying to kill him. <laughs> that's right. Oh, Absolutely that's right. unbelievable casting for, like, Topher Grace to be, like, the ladder-climbing, snivelly CIA bureaucrat who just, like, is only interested in promoting his own career. Because he has the Topher Grace voice, and, like, when he starts yelling at people, it sounds whiny in the way that only middle managers can. Like, it's... It's it's a really good Topher Grace role, which is not something I expected to be saying in 2021. Um, whole lot of dudes in this movie. This is another movie where oh. Goggins is, like, seventh build. Uh where Bill Paxton shows up in the last five minutes to reveal crucial plot details and then fucks off forever. Like, it's just so many dudes in this movie. And, like, on Letterboxd, I called it James Gunn's The Guest because uh, it's kind of, like, <laughs> the only thing I could think while I was watching it because it's, like, this small, self-contained story about, you know, like, violence and paranoia that has, like, absolutely zero real-world stakes and, like, has some really, really, really good-looking shots that you can tell the director was just like, well, yeah, of course I need a car that shoots fireworks out of it to drive into a grocery store. And then, like, the the climactic, like, scene where he, he's, like, hunting Topher Grace in the grocery store to just have fireworks going off at random spots in the smoke. It's like, okay, cool, I see what you're doing. Like, there's some ideas here. But also, there's, like, a lot of jokes, and they're not funny. And, like, even when they're yeah, kind of funny, it's just like... Man, I would prefer this... I, like, I don't want this movie to be more serious, because it's, like, on its face, a stupid movie. But, like, the fact that it's a stupid movie works to its credit, not its detriment. And, like, I just needed, that's, like... That's the Max Landis special you're getting in this movie, buddy. A, uh, yeah. Yeah, you sure are. Hey, Chris, you want to hear John Leguizamo say the N-word? Yes! All uh, right, then you. this is the movie for you, because it's right. barely over 90 minutes. And John Leguizamo plays a tatted-up drug dealer with, like, a 500-pound black man as a bodyguard. And then they argue about fantasy football. Maybe I should watch this again. It's, like, surprisingly pretty good. With a more clear head. Like, uh, like, I remember enjoying it, but also I was I was on another planet. Like, I had, I had no <laughs> idea what to expect with this when I saw, like, that cast. And I was like, well, I've heard some good things about it. Maybe I'll watch it. Like, I actually really enjoyed this. Like, it's, like, a little bit cartoony, both in terms of the jokes and, like, the blood splatter. Because it's one of those movies where, like, it's not afraid to lean into the violence, but it's, like, 20% too much blood every time. Like, to the point where it looks, like, kind of like you're reading a comic book. But even with, like, those things to its detriment. Like, I had a good time. Like, this is this is a a solid watch. I, I'm not saying I'm gonna watch this again in the future, because I almost never re-watch movies, but I liked it. And, uh, one last thing to talk about. I'm not gonna say too much about The Matrix Resurrections, just because I know you guys have uh, a Matrix 2 and 3 thing that you're about to do that I am very happy to join in on, and you guys haven't seen this one yet. So, uh, not that I want to talk too much about the plot anyway, because... A, it's extremely convoluted and a conversation that's going to take a long time. And B, I was high off my ass when I watched this. So, like, I was just kind of vibing and didn't really care when I didn't understand things. So, like, I'm not the most faithful narrator of what was going on in this movie. That said, I made one crucial decision that I feel the need to tell everybody about. Because it absolutely pushed this movie up, like, another star and a half the more I think about it. I decided, so I saw this, like, 
the very tail end of my birthday, and there's a 10.45 showing at Cinemark, and I'm like, yeah, fuck it, I'll go. Oh, should I get D-Box for this? That'll probably be neat. And it didn't, <laughs> it didn't even dawn on me that, like, you know, when people are fighting in the Matrix and the cutaways to the real world come out and they're just, like, sitting in the chair shaking, that I would also be shaking. And, oh my god, dude, it did so much for me. It was... I, when you said D-Box, I did the Undertaker sit-up in my chair. <laughs> I got so excited for you, dude. If you are the kind of person who lives near a Cinemark and also has $22 that you don't value... Go see this in D-Box, dude. It's so sick. Yeah. I'm aware you it's... can see this for free on HBO Max. Don't care. This was the coolest yeah. fucking movie I've ever seen in D-Box. Like, not even close. D-Box is like, treat yourself to a vacation. I saw John Wick 3 in Fast and Furious 9 at D-Box, and it put them up like a solid extra <laughs> three stars. Incredible experiences. Like, I, I feel like I've seen like half a dozen movies in D-Box at this point, and like, they're all like... You know, it's it's better. It's not, like, substantially better, but for the right kind of movies where there's punching and kicking, like, it works. But, like, it didn't even dawn on me that I would be vibrating in the chair while they're vibrating in the chair. So good. <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> it was the absolute fucking best. As for the movie, like, it's fine. It's I think it's probably the second best Matrix movie. It's nowhere close to the first one. It's nowhere near as bad as the third one. Um, well, well, I'll ask you... Uh worth doing an episode next week or should we just watch it on our own and talk about it could we do an episode sure like there's there's plenty of meat on the bone but like it's not that interesting like um i it like i had a great time for like a hundred minutes and then i got bored like it's it's you know it's self-serious and full of itself and leaves you with more questions than answers and also like the entire point of the movie is you know as i'm sure you've heard like it's all wrapped up in the idea that like nobody involved with the first one really wanted to make this but it was going to happen anyway so we might as well get control of it and you know tell our story in our own way and there's just like 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 i actually like the concept i think it's interesting to like deconstruct a movie in a big franchise like this but also there's like 30% too much just showing me scenes from the first three movies because the problem um. is like it makes me want to watch the first three movies. Like, like, like it, it, it's it, it takes away from what you're watching because it's like, oh yeah, fuck that movie rules. I forgot how cool Morpheus was. I should go watch that again. But uh, yeah, it's fine. It's a fine movie. I I don't have a lot of negative to say about it other than it's too long. But that's how many I know there were a lot of people who really hated it. You know, yeah, those people are dumb. No, like it's it's not that. It, <laughs> like, you guys are both gonna watch it. You're gonna be like, yeah, it was okay. I I don't think he was gonna have super strong feelings about it. Like I really don't. Like it's a Matrix movie. It's cool to be back in that world. There's some stuff that works. There's some stuff that doesn't. Like uh, because Morpheus and Smith are obviously like canonically dead, and this is a continuation going forward. Um, They're both now computer programs that Keanu has programmed for his video game since he's been reinserted in the Matrix, and. um so you know like when they jump out to like the real world like they can't bring morpheus with them but also like they have this like new tech where like they make like a hologram morpheus that's just like a bunch of beads walking around and like it just looks like a fucking bunch of ball bearings walking around through scenes and like it's like cool for like a minute when you think they're just gonna do it on the ship and then like that character actually has to go do stuff it's like oh come on fuck off what are we doing here (laughs) like one of like the big like 
key like plot points of the movie like the thing that explains why a neo and trinity are alive and b why they're back in the matrix is basically that uh the robots discovered that their love works like magnets and if they're close to each other they just generate a shitload of power not important like whatever like but i only bring that up to say that like they're both now in the matrix and they don't really have memories of what happened before other than like you know little fragments so keanu reeves is a game developer and like he goes to this uh fucking uh coffee shop all the time where he like sort of admires her from afar but she's like doing her own thing and and like he's there with like his fucking lackey guys or whatever the one time he's just like like hey, hey you like her he's like yeah you know but i'm you know i'm not gonna say anything whatever you know he's doing the 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 virgin thing like oh shucks i don't think i could talk to her so his dipshit like dime store jonah hill lackey goes over and like introduces them and they start talking and you know they have like a moment of like connection they talk for like 45 seconds and then you hear the door to the coffee shop opens and carrie ann moss turns around and goes this is my husband chad <laughs> okay i'm watching Maybe I, I, I'm to see this. <laughs> I literally like i had my coat on the chair next to me i like picked up my coat to put it over my mouth because i was laughing so hard <laughs> in the theater there's absolutely no way they didn't know but oh no they knew they, knew. they had they knew. to know they knew but just the fact that the surprise husband is named chad one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I mean, it's it's almost like it was made for us. It's like that scene in, it's like that scene in whatever movie you you uh, signed to me. That parody of the Purge, where the guy just looks dent to the camera and says Bazinga. <laughs> it's nice finding kindred spirits out there in the wilderness. Right? Yeah, people who get us. Uh, speaking of people who get us, Parker. Uh, let's okay. talk about The Matrix. Now, first of all, I think uh, The Matrix 1999 is a wonderful movie. Stipulated. Uh, now, I have to admit, when I watched that with my sister in the theater, like a month ago, I was like, wow, what a great movie. I, I think I don't really need the other Matrix movies, because I just like this one. And this one's really good, and I don't really need more of this. Uh, I don't necessarily need sequels. I can kind of imagine how it's going to be. Once you have God Mode activated, I assume you just win the game. But uh, they're like, no, no, there's more to it. We came up with this whole world and this whole story and everything. And right off the bat, I think that is enough to justify the sequels. If it's the same people making this movie... And they have their own idea for this and how it's supposed to go. Then, like, okay, you clearly this is a passion project. Let's see you pursue your passion. So, Parker, your thoughts on the Matrix Reloaded? Well, I like it more than I remember, but still, it's got a lot of problems. Oh, yeah, that's a uh, that's mostly the way that I uh, I would put so, it. Except this is my first time like watching it. Well, you said the first one ends with him being like these god mode powers, right? Really yeah. kind of fucks up all of his stakes for this entire movie. At yeah. no point do you ever feel like, oh man, he's going to lose this fight. Because he doesn't, ever. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that kind of gets me about this is he's like the strongest person in the whole wide world and he's uh, barely in the movie. Oh, like we'll get to the third one. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, but like when he's when Keanu Reeves is in this movie, I'm like, oh hell yeah, I love him. He's so cool, and it's well to an extent. But like when I I see all these other characters that they added in here, I could not get attached to them. Like they did not seem like 
real likable characters. It didn't. It almost <laughs> didn't feel like a sequel to the first movie. It almost felt like they're just trying to do some different sort of iteration of the story. <laughs> so you're well, saying maybe. You're, you're saying you didn't like Jada Pinkett's character? Oh. <laughs> Damn, I guess you should have played Enter the Matrix so you could have seen her wait, whole side story. Wait till you see how dirty they do her in the new one. Oh, are you serious? They, they just Jeez. put old people makeup on her. And oh, she looks like an Ewok. No. <laughs> Fuck yeah, okay. Maybe there is enough on the bone to talk about. Yeah, look, we're maybe. both probably going to watch it. If we finish talking about the movie and we're two hours in, that'll just be the end of the episode. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll no one see. will know. So, so here's the thing with Reloaded. Uh, you guys had warned me that the thing that I disliked the most about the first Matrix movie was the romance between Trinity and Neo. And he said, oh no, you're going to get more of that. So here's the weird thing. I won't say that I liked it, because I didn't. How could you? But I liked it so much more than so many of the other problems with this movie. Okay? So it was the one... They spent so much time in the Matrix and with the machines and with the, the, the special effects and everything that I was looking for human moments. And so you get human moments in The Matrix Reloaded. I was like, oh, fucking finally... Uh, now, that being said, most of these human moments don't work. Here's a really good example. Um, they uh, they go to that French guy, and he's got Monica Bellucci oh, with him, and Parker. God, dude. She's in the I mean, show. also, yes, yeah, but yeah. my God. Anyway, so they... This uh, is the yeah. most sacre blue-ass thing dude, I've ever this seen is, yeah. I fucking love this, this is, scene, dude. Dude, this is the most fucking... It felt like one of those like harem anime sort of things, you know? Where like the girls get jealous over this guy. I'm like, really? <laughs> it's a real Tenchi Muyo vibe, you're right. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's what they're doing. I've never watched that show, but I saw the Toonami uh, interstitial commercials. I so, talks for 45 minutes about cause and effect and goes, gets his dick sucked in a bathroom, and Monica Bellucci's like, okay, I'll take you to the guy you're looking for. Like, Great. And she's like, later. oh, uh, what do you, will you do if you bring us to the Keymaker? I'll get to the Keymaker in a second. And she says, uh, I want you to kiss me. And I'm just like, Boy, this is so PG-13. This really does feel like an eight-year-old's dream, you know? And then the cute girl from class kisses me, but it makes the other cute girl in class jealous. They fight over me, and I get to jack off to it. And it's like, okay, so then she says, I get to kiss her. Carrie Ann Moss pulls out her gun and points at her. Is like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> fucking... Keymaster, let's focus on the important stuff here. Okay, she is a ride or die for her man in yeah. these movies. So here's my biggest problem with the scene, and it leads to my biggest problem with the movie. Carrie Ann Moss is wearing her sunglasses inside. Inside, you're just like, oh yeah, that seems like a silly thing to do, Chris, but whatever, it's a visual style of the movie. That's the problem. Too many people wear their sunglasses for too often, and it is too difficult and really... They're not good enough at acting to act through their sunglasses. There's precisely one person in the movie who's good at that. It's Lawrence Fishburne. He can act through his sunglasses. Carrie Ann Moss. So yeah, that too. Also because he's just <laughs> such a good actor. But Carrie Ann Moss, God bless her. I'm sure she's done a lot of really good work. Is not good enough to emote through her sunglasses. I don't know how she's feeling in that scene where she's raising a gun because she's jealous of her boyfriend, God. And, like, I should be able to tell how she feels of that, but I can't because she's just wearing her sunglasses and her face looks rock-solid, unemotional, the same throughout the entire movie, with one exception. There's a scene towards the end, like, third act, where uh, Keanu Reeves asks her, 
could I ask you to do, like, one thing for me? And she's like, what's that? And he's like, don't go in there with me. And she looks crestfallen, and she asks, why? And that's all I need. And it's a human connection, and it, it really grounds it. It's something I can identify with. Now I know that these are real characters, because for a while I was like, are these just, like, Agent Smiths, and they're just posing as the other characters, and that's the big twist at the end of the movie? Because they feel so robotic throughout the entire movie. And every single person, there are multiple ones. Who's the who's the guy who's wearing sunglasses? The Asian dude. Who's that? Is that your question? Uh, anyway, uh, some guy wearing whoever, everyone who is wearing their fucking sunglasses throughout the movie, and this includes Keanu Reeves. I'm sorry to say, they I can't tell what they're thinking or feeling. I mean, let's think of uh, other movies where they wear sunglasses all the time. How about They Live? First of all, Roddy Piper is better at acting through his sunglasses than these people. And also, that movie knows well enough to take the sunglasses off of him. At the end of the movie, he's wearing contacts that have the same effect as the sunglasses. If you keep wearing these sunglasses, especially like the big ones that Carrie Ann Moss is wearing, it's too difficult to see how your character is feeling. And I think that's a really big problem with this movie. I'm so happy you brought up They Live. Because which movie has a longer fight scene? <laughs> oh, God. All right. Gee. So... Just wept. So as the fucking Smith fight scenes going on, I wrote down. I remember there being a lot more CGI. Not realizing how <laughs> much longer the fight was going to go, just to be greeted with him going, "Oh damn!" and flying off. Oh yeah. So here's absolutely the, eat my ass. Yeah. So that's the thing is like I was actually kind of enjoying the fight scene. I was just like, okay, I understand what you're trying to do. You're this is the special effects part of the movie. See, the problem with Matrix Reload and one of the many problems with Matrix Revolutions is they're both really bloated and they're trying to do everything the first movie did, but it's not really organized. It's certainly not cohesive. There are certain moments where this is the romance part. This is the science fiction part. This is the special effects part. This is the fight scene part. This is the, uh, you know, the philosophy part. And it feels like they're all really, this is this here, this is this here, this is this here. It doesn't gel. The first movie, it gelled perfectly and it, it just was so wonderful and this one it's almost staccato the way that it does but i didn't mind because they're pretty good special effects and no they haven't aged wonderfully but if you put yourself in 2003 it still looks really good and i these are pretty interesting fight moves and the music by the way in this scene is spectacular i love the score that they're doing for this scene and then he just gets up and flies away you know it's really hard to animate a long flowing trench coat. Oh Oops. yes, hey, uh, as we noticed when we watched uh, <laughs> as we noticed when we watched Spawn. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Chris. Yes. Let's fly out of here. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot that we could fly. <laughs> Which is literally what he did. Like the oldies fucking Agent Smiths. Just... <laughs> Why didn't you just do that before, times. you piece of shit? This <sighs> movie. Well, do you have a movie like The Matrix? You have two choices when it comes to a franchise. Like, okay, do we just go Star Wars and just go balls deep into the lore and keep exploring the world and follow these characters? Or do we just Indiana Jones this shit? And I'm like, all right, and now Neo's going to be in this place doing this. And they chose poorly because I don't give a fuck about Zion. Correct. Thank you. Or the Merovingian or the fucking Keymaker or any of this. So, here's the weird part. Care. I actually kind of like the Keybaker because he looked like a human being, and I could tell what he was thinking because he was just wearing regular glasses instead of sunglasses. He was like, like the one guy. Just looking baffled. At yeah. Fighting two CGI ghosts. Hey, uh, Yo, oh, good, yeah, good the CGI ghostman who wears sunglasses. Good thing this is the last we ever see of the Merovingian. 
What's the very don't, don't you dare. <laughs> I can't. Oh, yeah. So I guess we should talk about the highway scene, which no one's ever talked about before. Uh, yeah, it looks good. Uh, it's, I have to admit, not as good as I remember. Uh, I'd seen this one before, the uh, the highway scene before. And I remember, I thought, look, I thought it looked like the bee's knees. Now it just looks like any other part of the bee. Uh, it, it looks fine. It doesn't look like spectacular or anything. I'm not uh, yeah, if a human enthuser. <laughs> like, and all of the stuff with Agent Smith. On one hand, Hugo Weaving should not be in this movie. But on the other hand, could you imagine this movie without Hugo Weaving in it? Because you... Man, I'm missing Joey Pants more than I thought I would ever. Oh right, miss an actor. yeah. See, because he plays could a use character. Some fucking levity. I could yeah. use someone cracking wise. This is so self-serious the entire time. But, like the funniest part of the oh, movie I'm... was like Carrie Ann Moss pointing her gun at Monica Bellucci. Like, what, why is that Dying the funniest for scene? Someone who just absolute. They're also self-serious about their mission, and Morpheus is just like falling to the ends of the earth. And he got all this fucking boring bureaucracy with these dudes wearing bur- burlap sacks for clothes. Like, can I just have one person there who's like, man, this place fucking sucks, right, guys? This all really sucks ass. Let's get out of here. Yeah, and by I the way, maybe. so. Yeah. I'm just, there's a lot to bounce around with. But the yeah. whole thing with Bane and Smith getting in Bane's body, and then he's off screen for an hour and a half. In the big dramatic ending of, oh my god, he's there. And you go, who the fuck's that guy with a goatee? And then it just says, to be concluded. <laughs> hey guys, swing and a miss. <laughs> you blew it. I mean, that's the thing. is like, I don't care about that character. As much time as we spend with him, I don't care about that character. Which you can contrast with the first movie, which I think is fair to do at this point. When Joey Pants uh, betrays the team, and he one by one kills various members of their team. Some of them, we don't even like know their fucking names. But like we know enough about them in the brief time that we spent with them that we like these characters. We care about these characters. We want to see these characters succeed. So to see them get killed off, it breaks our heart, and we feel something. In this one, that character, I'm just like... I- is there another movie? Should I have watched the Animatrix before this? Was this explain who this guy no. is? I'm not watching that. Yeah, and I, I think I think like as another point along those lines, like it's more heartbreaking when somebody dies in the first one because like you think the world is so small and these are just the only people that have managed to like break out of like this, you know, robot yes. mind control structure. And then it's like, oh no, there's just a whole fucking city of them. These are just red shirts. It's like, oh, like thousands right. of them. Yeah. What the fuck? How many times yeah. have they fucking done this? Like what what are we doing here? Yeah, I boy, I couldn't stand it. Uh no, that oh, orgy scene with Dragula playing though. <laughs> I thought about that all day today. Yeah, by the way, boy, that fucking scene goes on. I, yeah, uh, tell me about it. Sit next to my dad in the theater. Fucking tell me about it, man. Did you have fun? It on a real long time. Yeah. I remember that. I remember having to pee at the end of the movie, not realizing it was the end of the movie. Because like, you sit through the whole architect speech, and I'm like, okay, I can't hold anymore. This thing's got to be wrapping up. And I come out of the bathroom, everyone's filing out. I'm like, oh man, what happened? He's like... It just showed some guy that it said to be continued when he walked off <laughs> looking at it. showed some guy. You know, so the, the original... He's like a, the D-plot. You don't see him on screen for over an hour. Right, like, exactly. Oh, of course. You know what the Bane. most used word in this fucking movie is? They they say the word happened more than the. Like, they're, they're just like, <laughs> whatever happened, happened for a reason. And the happening of this happenstance was a happening of... I'm like, jeez, I'm so fucking sick of that word. 
And this is just like talking about free choice versus this and everything else. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I understand the philosophy, but you're going too hard into it. The, the first movie already said everything you needed to know. So I, I sat down for this architect scene. Like, no, I'm gonna pay. I'm gonna fucking. I did focus too. On this. I did too. Guess Five what? minutes down, I was like, you know what? I can't. See, that's the problem here. Is that the architect speech really isn't all that complicated? The problem here is that it doesn't matter. It's not important. I don't fucking care about any of this. What uh, is with the thesaurus they're using to write his dialogue? Well, that's the thing. It's is not like, that complicated. Like, just say this is the sixth time we've done this. They did this on purpose. They did this like deliberately to try to make him sound smarter than he is. You see a lot of people do this on Twitter. They try to use like big words that are useless. They they don't mean anything, and you're just making your sentences longer than they need to be because you want to sound like an intellectual. And that is where the movie really falls apart because I think the first movie is intellectual. I think The Matrix is a very intelligent movie. And this one, far less so. Uh, If there's anything else I want to say about it, I will say that despite all my criticisms, it's fine. It's solid. I mean, there's a lot more good than bad. I mean, the fights still look good. And if I came away praising the romance, which is something I didn't expect that I would do, then there's probably something here for someone. I, I I really did not like the Zion stuff. I, I didn't give a fuck. No, I don't but, give a uh, fuck about Zion. But like hey, the, bad news. Yeah. About that. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Oh, should we talk about I it now? Yeah, we'll get. Oh. I'll just say I can't oh, yeah, wait no. liking it more. But that's because I've had what a decade plus to know what it is and not be yeah. a twelve year like. Oh my god, I can't wait to see yeah. the Matrix again and then watch twenty minutes of a man in a white room going. Yeah, none of this matters. Yeah, uh, well, so get just, to we're that. Just gonna, we're just yeah. gonna do it again. It's yeah. fine. So, like one the more thing. Yeah, one more thing here about Reloaded. So, the original guy that they wanted to be the architect. Do you want to know who that was? I sure do. Yeah, fucking Sean Connery. And he he read the script. And he's like, I don't get it. And he went on to do a much better movie instead: League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, future oh. episode. So like that's a terrible casting choice. Yeah, it would be that's a horrible. Terrible idea. Can you imagine him saying all the architect speeches? Fucking sound terrible. No one would know what he was saying anyway. It would be like literally a twenty year running meme. Like it would be Ex- so good. Yeah. Right. I, I, I go the other way. It would have made this movie. Worse oh, it would have been the way. it would have been the nor the new now you're the man. Uh, wait, wait, you're the man now, dog or whatever. Dude, Leave like literally in. every time that I've thought about the architect, <laughs> no, not funny. like when I watch the movie and like when I watch the movie again, like fifteen years later, I just pictured it as Will Ferrell and whatever fucking bit that was. Same, like, like literally the whole time. That so, fucking MTV yeah. movie awards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely same. That's yeah. I couldn't tell you yeah. who actually plays him, but I can see Will Ferrell in that fake beard when I close my eyes. Yep. <laughs> well, I guess we should so, get on to uh, the third movie in the trilogy, <sighs> The Matrix Revolutions, which actually came out the same year as Reloaded, which uh, was interesting. Um, this is where we learned an important lesson in Hollywood. Do not film your sequels at the same time, because you are locked into all of those bad decisions. Hey, yep. people really didn't respond to this well. Cool, we're three quarters of the way done, and it comes out in six months. So it's, <laughs> this is what it's gonna be. Yeah. So revolutions, Alex. This is something that you had hinted at previously. One of my favorite scenes in the first movie is it's it's a short scene. There really isn't very much to it, but it's like this ro- gigantic robotic jellyfish sort of thing. That's like one of those like sentry drones that's like looking for the humans, and you don't see much of it. But that is enough to know. Oh man, don't go outside of the sewers where we are, because otherwise, you know, the machines will get us or something like that. And how many of those do we see in the first movie? Like what? One? If that, you know, it's like we see like one of those fucking things. Hundred thousand. 
Or if there yeah. were a thousand star destroyers in the ocean and they all came exactly. up at the same time. Right. See, it's exactly <laughs> the same way it was in Star Wars Episode Nine, which is a uh, rise of Skywalker, I guess. Like, remember all those fucking things coming down and they... I don't even remember how they beat all of them. In this one... This scene with these robotic jellyfish. I don't know what they're called. I'm going to call them robotic jellyfish. I don't fucking care. And they shoot a fucking Gatling gun at these things. And I'm just like, oh, this is the action scene. I'm on my phone. And I watched like three YouTube videos. And the scene is still going on. I was like, what the fuck? They, they don't cut away. Yeah. It's so long. We don't see Neo for... It has to be close to like 45 minutes, right? It feels like it. Something it's like It's just that. this battle nonstop with people... I don't fucking care about. Hey, uh, pop quiz. You know, we keep seeing that that one general piloting that suit. Why isn't that Morpheus? Oh, yeah, that's a good Ooh, question. Is this guy? Why not have I a character that care. we know and like? It's like, I'm not even oh. against like adding Oh, you don't characters. like the kid from that Animatrix? Oh, oh my god. That <laughs> kid. 35-year-old, 16-year-old? Oh, yeah. But not just that one, but like, uh, yeah. You should have said 16, I, I would have uh, believed you. I would have been like, I wouldn't. <laughs> but uh, speaking of kids, the little Indian girl, look, I understand she must be related it. to one of the producers or something, and she's very cute. She should not be an actress. She doesn't know how to act. I mean, Chris, that was that mm-hmm. night. <laughs> you know, he's actually really <laughs> good. <laughs> I just bought I just bought Unbreakable on Blu-ray, so I'm actually going to see his acting prowess again. So suck on my nine ballas. Anyway, yeah, she's really bad at this. The whole subway scene was uh, boring as fuck. It's a it's a real bold move to start out like this. Yeah. Uh, well, it's the second ends with like, oh my god, he he was able to like stop Sentinels in the real world with like Matrix powers. How do you do that? Oh my god, he passed out, and you're like, how's this going to start? Who, who the fuck are these guys? Oh, these programs had a baby. That's cool. When's the train coming? Hey, guys, where's the train? Please. Well, uh, Please get on the train. The good that thing is, that's definitely the last you've seen of the little girl. Come on. I think this could be our episode. <laughs> 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 oh so, God. one of my other problems with this one is uh, maybe a little too much Agent Smith in this. Like, he, does, he goes to the Oracle's house, and I guess he kills her or whatever. I don't even... I'm paying attention, and he does the. He says, "You know, cookies need as much love as anything else." So you know what I've been talking in my voice this entire time, and like it just it, it just strikes me as like kind of lame Didn't because he's a computer program, right? Like that's who he is in the in the Matrix. He's a computer program, but he. He sounds too human the entire time. Like, there's a scene where he says, "I watched you die with some relish," and I'm like. But your computer program, you should be soulless. You should be, like, just calculating, just like a series of numbers of ones and zeros, and that calculates it. And he's, he's just a little too human for me, which is weird because, like, I'm looking for human connections, which, by the way, zero of this in Revolutions, unless you include Jada Pinkett Smith. And, uh, which he, I don't. Well, no. Like, I'm looking for human connections, and I'm not finding them, but, like, he's the most human character in here, the guy who's a machine who hunts down humans. Like the scene where he like takes over the Oracle and he starts laughing. He does like a stupid face and everything. And I think it was like an internet meme for a while and everything. And like, yeah, it looks goofy, but like, it's a problem because he looks like a human and he's he's too human, and it, it just doesn't work for me. And like, uh, even then, they get to like the fight. The okay, sorry, go ahead. No, I actually. So I I completely agree with you in that he mm-hmm. seems too human, but I also think that's the point. Like he's evolving, he's becoming more human. 
I, like, yeah. I actually, I think that's like one of the themes in this movie that actually works. Like, yeah, it's a problem that all of the actual humans aren't human. But I think Smith becoming more human, it, I mean, it's if you think of it as a computer program, then you're not going to think of it as a character, which is fair. But uh, yeah. Again, I'm not trying to talk more and more about the one that you guys haven't seen yet, but, like, they really lean heavily into the whole, like, you know, oh, these programs are evolving angle. And I think that, like, I didn't have a problem with the Smith stuff at the time when I watched Revolutions again, and, like, now that I see more of it, now I really don't have a problem with it, so. Yeah, okay, look, I get it, and I I can stipulate that that's what they're going for, and I kind of picked up on that. I understand that he's supposed to be becoming more human because, like, that's shown in multiple movies that he's doing this sort of thing. So I get it. That being said, he's still, like, rabidly anti-human. And it just if he had had, like, moments where he was double-guessing himself or, like, maybe, oh, maybe the humans aren't so bad and he becomes conflicted between what is man, what is human. If they had gone in that direction, which, by the way, that's a decent philosophical question then, like, maybe I would have had a bit more sympathy to it. I'll just say this. You can be a cold, calculated, soulless, emotionless machine and still be a character. Terminator, Terminator 2. That's my argument. I'm not saying you have to do Arnold Schwarzenegger again. I think that would be a bad idea because no one can do that role as well as Arnold did. And Hugo Weaving is not that kind of actor. But... I don't know, maybe make it a little bit more like the first movie. Even then, the first movie is a little bit, like, slightly too human. But it was it was almost like a robotic human, and it worked in that way, and there's a little bit of comedy in there. But this one, I don't, I don't know, it just felt a little bit incongruous. I'm just saying, like, I think I understood what they were going for, and it just didn't work for me. But also, I, I think we definitely agree on the lack of humanity from the actual humans. Go ahead, Parker. There's no time to explore that because we had a 30 minute fight scene that ended with them going, ah, that EMP actually made it worse. Now there's more coming. Oh, good. We couldn't cut around that, Chris. We had to keep that in. Yeah, we gotta have. We had to give Morpheus and Trinity nothing to do for the entire goddamn movie. You know, that's the thing is, like, The Matrix is one of these great science fiction movies, and then they leaned into, like, the sci-fi action of it, and you're like, oh, yeah, I love the sci-fi action, they kick and punch each other, it's like, no, 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 that's combat, that's not necessarily action, it's combat. I want, I want, like, hand-to-hand CQC stuff, I don't want shooting Gatling guns in the fucking F-Zero cockpit at these jellyfish alien robot things, it's... That's not cool to me because there's there's nothing in those things. There's nothing like I don't, there's no stakes. There's too many of them for me to care about. They might as well be shooting cockroaches, and I well very big cockroaches, but cockroaches nonetheless because I I don't know I don't have any connection to all this and it's threatening to destroy all of humanity. Give I don't know these people. I don't I don't care. You know this this isn't a big deal to me. This is one of the problems I have with superhero movies. This will threaten to destroy the world. Yeah, but I don't even know anything about the Eternals and I don't really care. You know? Also, the second movie ended with them telling you, yeah, this has happened like five times before. We're just going to do it again. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. More I don't give a fuck about any of these stuff. people who aren't named. I don't care. Yeah. Don't it's, it's, it's more Destiny stuff. And the more of this, like, oh, the Destiny and the cycle of all this bullshit repeating itself. Yeah. Uh, turns out Senator Paul Patine is back again. I, I'm sorry. Somehow. I'm not. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> should bring back that word as something that triggers something it's very much like that's a good question it's <laughs> uh, just yeah I, I have no love for the Matrix Revolutions I will differ from Alex here is I, I do think this is basically a competently made movie but it's one I'm going to have absolutely no memory of it's not something I'm ever going to think about besides the fact that they got uh, I think it was the sister of the Oracle to play the new Oracle because the other one died from old itis 
why wouldn't he just cast someone completely different? Yeah, well, like it's, a, it's a program. It could look like anything. We're yeah. able to I feel like it's the, the wrong move. Whatever, what? <laughs> <laughs> and just yeah. like that, it's you the right move. Oracle too. So here's the weird thing, and this is the only thing that would prevent the Matrix Resurrections or whatever from being the next week's episode. I still don't care about Matrix sequels. I still think the first one's cool and the other ones are dog dick. I, I have no real interest in any of these. I, I can't even call myself a Matrix fan. Like, I'd, I'd say I love the first movie. Like, actually love that movie. and want to defend it and want to hold it up as a great piece of science, of science fiction art. And I almost feel that it's kind of, like, weighed down by the anchor of these two movies that are just, like, they're just so ponderous. And again, very bloated, especially the third movie. It's just, like, constantly stuffed with all this shit. And, like, at least the second movie did various elements of the first movie well. The third movie doesn't even do that. The effects aren't even good. The romance is... Uh, whatever the fuck that was supposed to be. Uh, the best part of the third movie was Monica Bellucci's tits. And that's not a good sign. So the giant boss baby face made out of robots. <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> Doesn't it, does it say, What do you want? <laughs> Who are you working for, Scarecrow? <laughs> Return the slab or suffer my curse. <laughs> it was I was really bad. I don't I, like it very much. What the dude? I didn't like it at all, but I'm fascinated because at the end of the day, as misguided as a lot of it was between these two movies and then tying in a fucking video game and animated shorts, it's still two people who had a very clear vision of how they wanted to wrap up their story, and something about that keeps me coming back to be like. Well, what about this here? What about this? Because it wasn't spun off into a franchise. They didn't pass it off to Ruin Johnson to ruin the franchise. <laughs> Could you imagine Two people Ruin Johnson's <sighs> Matrix? <laughs> oh my well, god. Well, the good news is we don't know how it went. <coughs> uh, <laughs> like, even the fucking video game that sucks. Like, the Wachowskis wrote and directed all of that. They filmed like an hour's worth of cutscenes. Like Parker, they put a lot of time Parker, and effort into don't this. Don't dead horrible. name them. I will never play that game. Don't don't dead name them. It's Wachowskis. I'm so sorry. There you go. I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Josh, did anybody send Josh a, a screenshot of the Jew Man group yet? <laughs> okay. Well, on that, on that on that note. On that note, let's talk about Stewie Griffin, the untold story. <laughs> story I wish would have stayed. Oh untold. yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you did already watch. forgotten. <laughs> so, uh, I took notes on this. Oh, good. Let's go to the notes. All my notes just say, hey, Chris, do the voice. No, 14 <laughs> different times. Well, look, I better do the voice as long as Alex doesn't do it. Jesus. So, uh... My, first, talk my first note is now begins the wait for a joke that'll make me laugh. Oh, keep waiting. <laughs> what do you, what do your notes say? <laughs> uh, I I did make uh, what are some other things? What are some things I because it's just three episodes, and the way that Family Guy is structured is it's mostly flashbacks. I did some research. I went to the IMDb trivia, and apparently there's. 46 flashbacks in the movie. That feels low. That's it? Yeah. Yeah, I know. For an 88-minute movie, that's fucking... What is it? Is that... That's more than half, right? Is it because 44th? Yeah, this would be more than half the... So I guess that's what? Like, more than one every two minutes? Oh, my God. He must have been into hell, because, like... 
Was this made before they got renewed or as they got renewed? I think this uh, is the first thing. Like I think the it's first like in post, between. Yeah, it's the first post-renewal yeah, yeah, yeah. thing that came out. Right. Okay. Like, oh, it's first post-renewal? I remember that I, I think so, yeah. So what? Yeah. yeah, I'll take your word. So on. Yeah, this, I mean, they're like talking throwback. about being canceled in the movie. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I thought you remember, like, or maybe they knew up with all the release out. dates and everything. Yeah, uh, some Which of this, is, like, so much of it's callbacks to like running jokes and characters that fans love. Right. So you just must have been in hell. The thank you. Okay. Time. So like some of these, that's maybe what I remember. Is like I know this scene is from some. Like for example, uh, Stewie Griffin takes one drink of a martini and says, "I think it's time for a sexy party." It's not funny. <laughs> Uh, Alex laughs, so maybe it is. Oh, you don't remember that classic bit? Yeah, uh, the I, other I do. one with that's all of my notes. <laughs> I do. I do. Wacky, wacky waving arm and flailing inflatable tube man. Um, oh God! So you want to hear uh, something cursed? Uh, you laughed yes. at it. I'm pretty sure I can still do that whole thing. You don't have to. Dude, no, so, I'm, not, I'm not gonna. Just, I'm not gonna because yeah, I don't yeah, know okay. what's worse, this, doing yeah. it or fucking it just, up. After saying yeah, that. there's a. It, it just I, kept unlocking core memories. Yeah, I've had I'm pretty sure I, I. I'm pretty sure I saw uh, the entire second episode, the one where uh, 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 Lois Griffin and Peter Griffin are trying to have sex, but uh, their kids That's are fun. bothering them. Um, oh, voice. no. Uh, <laughs> what the deuce? No, I'm not gonna do it. No. There was a. Uh, what else is in there? Oh, uh, in the first episode, there's uh, various flashbacks. Uh, it grinds my gears yeah. thing. That's a meme. Um, I, I vaguely knew that. I didn't know it was from this movie. I think they. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so, so I'm so sorry that you know now. Yeah. Know. So here's the thing. Um, the uh, the way it starts is he goes to lackluster video. It's a blockbuster Parker. It's called Satire. Maybe Google it. And uh, they don't have How porn for him. How old did you feel in that moment? Holy shit. Dude. They don't have porn for I, him. And he can't write porn. And Tom Tucker on me that it wants was amputee porn. <laughs> and <laughs> Literally, I did not realize it was a blockbuster pun right now. <laughs> Alex. That was the most Josh Brody moment on the show. <laughs> fucking owns yeah. it. Dude, so, I was not committing a lot of my brain to this. <laughs> yeah, sure. So You've seen it like so, 20 times. Yeah, you grew up with this in high school. You like this. Anyway, Peter's like, oh, I really grind my gears. And Tom Tucker is just like, wow, with a voice like that, you could be on television. And he says, oh, boy, I haven't been on television since I got fired from Family Feud. And turns out he got fired from Family Feud for molesting a woman. There's so many jokes in this. That like, look the the you couldn't tell this joke in 2022 thing is already played out and it's been four yeah. days. But yeah. also, Trisha Takanawa humps David Bowie's leg and tell, talks about break, <laughs> taking him home to make him fishball soup. So uh, yeah, no, that's not even the most offensive part. She pretty much does like a "me love you long time" sort of thing in there. And they're like, and they and then they try to like cover it. They try to be like, oh, you've really embarrassed your entire people. I'm just like, no, 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 no. Seth MacFarlane did that because he wrote that yeah, shit and he yeah. thinks that's you funny you can't slam Dunker when you fucking Alex Borstein doing the voice yeah god damn dude yeah it's like you. It's like no 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 she didn't embarrass anyone you embarrassed her because you're racist is, because is that, you hate people of other nationalities is that before or after Cleveland gets out of the limo with his posse that is after <laughs> alright can we just talk about the Condoleezza Rice oh, the Condoleezza oh Rice thing. holy shit Holy shit! I, as someone who uh, does not get offended by things very often, Jesus 
Christ. Dude, I, I feel like someone owes her an apology for this. Yeah, the Cleveland Browns. That too. <laughs> but like, you know, I mean, she's kind of down the list of all the apologies the that they've got the working team. up there. But like, my goodness, that's isn't that a bit much, don't you think? Man. Like, how come Quagmire's the least problematic person it. on this? Can we? If you want us to explain the joke, uh, no. Yeah. Not gonna Can do we? It. Is it too late to sue that alarm clock company? Like, which one? If that alarm clock just goes off, we don't have to watch any of this. Literally any of this. Chris, you look perplexed. Are you not? Are you not? Uh, up to? Oh right, 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 right. Never mind. Zach, Zach just, just got me. Just got me. Just got me. Yeah. Just got me. Just got me. Just got me. All right. Oh yeah, but me not getting right. blockbuster video. Sorry. That makes me yeah. an idiot. <laughs> yes, it does. This makes you a complete fucking idiot. <laughs> Also, you're like, oh, Phil Worf, that's like, you use your wish. <laughs> yeah. Make us, we could have watched anything else. And you're yeah, like, no, we, we did. have to do this. So, I tell you what, let me, let me save Alex's completely fucking idiotic joke. If we had delayed the dropping of the bombs until Akira Toriyama had been born, then maybe we oh, wouldn't get it. <laughs> because then we, would, then, then we wouldn't have Dragon Balls, and then Shenron wouldn't have. That was my whole personality from like, Grade six through twelve, you can't take that. Yeah, from six it. through yeah, more like six through your current age. So uh, yeah, twelve. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's not <laughs> twelve. You. He's older than that. So probably like three or four years. I don't know. Uh, what else is in this? Um, there's, um, How do we talk about this? Okay, <laughs> tell you what. Tell you what. Tell you what. Can you find <laughs> one line? One maybe not line, maybe joke, moment, whatever. Is there one thing that made you laugh? Yeah. Okay, what Alex? Yeah. What, go ahead. What is yours? I laughed at uh, at Brian Griffin's dream to be to run the Iditarod. That's sad. Parker, just thinking about every person we don't care. that's ever Parker. run a marathon, it got me. Okay, Parker, what was your one moment that made you laugh out loud? I'm about to say I laughed at the medieval catapult because the gag of him yelling or laughing and it just slowly getting quieter in the distance. They've okay. done it twenty All times right. and it always worked on me. Better than the fucking editor. Okay, so mine did you, was. Did this. you laugh at uh, at Peter getting sucked out of a spacesuit while peeing and going? Eh. <laughs> yes, of course. I did. <laughs> yeah. So the one that got me is uh, this is still in the first episode. Uh, Tom Tucker has been fired from the TV station. No, he hasn't been fired yet. He's uh, he's not getting as much attention as Peter is because Peter's got a popular segment. And they're at a fancy restaurant, and no Freddy got finger jokes here. Uh, Peter is so popular that he gets Tom Tucker kicked out of his seat that he had reserved, and he has to eat in the bathroom. So he's got his plate of food on the toilet. <laughs> and some guy just, he's about to cut into his steak, which looks like the fucking steak from the major. Some guy just bursts into the fucking stall and plants his bare ass on his plate of food. And I was just like, boy, that is. Like, are you almost done? I'm very hungry. Really got me. I was going to say, I was like, damn it, that's a joke I would write. I have to laugh at it. Now it's funny. So, uh. That's like, it. This whole that's thing it. is built around the fucking grinds my gears bits, and it's the worst bits of all three episodes. See, so here's the thing. It's not funny at all. So here's the thing. I remember, like, the grinds my gears thing here, except for I forgot about the Lindsay Lohan one. That's like. That that was torture. That was like fucking. That fucking was an endurance riff, Peter. Just I mean, she's bouncing up there with the 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 thing and just like 
they're really just padding this for time. They didn't know how to make this a 22 minute and they couldn't figure anything else. I was like, yeah, just talk. I, I really, I maybe this is like, a, I don't know, maybe this is a Mandela effect, but I really thought that there was a segment where uh, where Peter goes, you know what, Grant's my gears? The blacks. And he would just like start saying something like that. I would be like, I was kind of like waiting for that moment. And that that was a line like, reserved for Walt Disney. I, oh yeah, it's like, oh yeah, with the, the Jews thing and the cryotherapy or something like that. I was like, wait, he didn't even get frozen. He was cremated. He got a smirk out of me. He put me back in, got a smirk. I knew it was coming, but, you mm-hmm. know. And unfortunately, that's the thing about like, every single joke. It's like one that I know that's coming. Like, uh, there's one that's like, oh, I haven't been this disturbed since this cartoon that I watched. It's Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny. And he shoots Bugs Bunny with a shotgun. And it's like, yeah, yeah everyone saw that coming. This is Control Delete, but on network TV. I got told Alex this, but... For like most of high school, Adult Swim just lived on my TV upstairs, and I think like ninety percent of the cutaways in this movie were used on their bumpers or commercials for Family Guy. Oh, yeah. So without seeing this movie, I've seen a solid forty percent of it, because <laughs> they would just replay on the same bumpers every single night for ah coming up at ten thirty, and it would just be one of those. So yeah, unlocking all these memories as I just watched that time slowly take by. I mean, there's so many jokes in here that probably could have worked if it was in, like, a different context. Like, the one where they're going to teach their children how to date. Which, by the way, you devote an episode to that. That's a funny setup. I mean, these are very different characters. This would be, like, a funny thing. and It's like the C plot of the episode. Uh, the example here is um, uh, Peter tells Meg that she's going to be so good at dating, she's going to be beating off guys with both hands. That's, like... That's a good joke. That's funny. And they do nothing with it. It's like, it's not even acknowledged, you know? But that being said, it's sometimes better than when they acknowledge it. Because sometimes you'll just have a character, like, staring in horror for, like, ten seconds. Uh, I, I was going to say, the, yeah. the restraint it's of Peter a Griffin. a bit of restraint. Yeah, yeah the, the restraint to not have Peter Griffin go, eh, get it, beat off. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I don't know. It's a, it's a shame to me because, like, uh, where's there the? I think it was a scene where he was teaching her like what to do, and he's like in a car or something like that, and he farts with the, like the windows locked in. But like that, I mean, that's just a funny scene on its own. Don't explain to her that's like the sexiest thing a woman can do is like learn to love her woman or learn to love her man's farts. Like that's. I mean, can you imagine if it just been? It's kind of like the Garfield comics thing. If he had just farted with the windows up. <laughs> just, Lock the doors. <laughs> it's just driven away. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> lets it there. It doesn't tell her anything. That's a funny joke. But instead, he like covers her mouth and makes her breathe it in. It's like all the seven. Then he farts again, and you're just like, oh no, you're they're they're doing too much with the joke. And it just I don't know. It kind of bugs me because like if you just cut this off before the last panel, then it's a lot funnier. But that doesn't apply to all the jokes. Some of these jokes are not worth saving because some of these are not jokes. Uh, when Stewie Griffin and Brian Griffin, the talking dog, go to the Drunken Clam, which is a bar, to drink, and it's, it's kind of like the Chris. yeah, it's not clams. They go, it's it's a bar, not clams. Yeah, they go to their, they go to the bar and they get drunk or something like that. And they sing "Suicide Is Painless." They play Pac-Man, and that's it's not a joke. There's no joke here. Hey kids, you remember that fun show Mash you used to watch growing up? It, it just like the Pac-Man scene in particular is just fucking worthless. Like they're talking about, oh, I want to get the fruit. Well, there's no joke. I mean, it's like if you've ever done like stand-up comedy, it's like there's no concept to this, a newcomer's jokes. They they don't know what's funny and what's not. They have to think about some of these jokes. They have to. There's a point to some of these. 
They're just saying things. It's like, wouldn't it be funny if Stewie Griffin played Pac-Man? No. There's nothing funny about it. There's, there's, there's no joke there. Like, a one of the jokes that actually works here is, uh, but it's poorly set up, is when Lois is teaching Chris, the idiot of the family, which uh, hit close to home, uh, how to date. Hey. Uh, and she's like, oh, now that we've talked about uh, kissing and cuddling, it's time to practice eating out at a fancy restaurant. I'm just like, oh, that'd be great. That's something from Police Squad. What was the kissing part? Something that you talked about. How did, how did that go? That's kind of weird. Oh, there, I've oh, watched a couple of flash videos about that, actually. Oh, have you? how you think. That's interesting. You know, the thing is, like, it'll make it come in like 30 seconds, is what I hear. Those are rookie numbers. <laughs> yeah. You gotta get in there. Yeah. Basically, I mean, they could you're put it in the ad if it's not true. Right, yeah, they wouldn't lie. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, was there anything else that was good about this? Nope. Okay, how uh, about the game of games? Well, we're not gonna... I'll tell you exactly what was good about it. Not a single <laughs> musical number. I had it... I gave straight from Seth MacFarlane. I gave myself over. Yeah. Not a single one. Could not believe it. It actually surprised me, and I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah, you know what's... Wait. <laughs> Just a suit. Yeah, so I think Seth MacFarlane is really... Isn't he like a big musical number guy? They usually do oh like a song and dance. Oh my god, you have no fucking idea. Yeah, Jake. no, I've seen the, he, when he hosted like the Oscars, he did some big stupid fucking thing. Oh my god, I you forgot they let him do that. How many episodes? And like, I try not to use this word, but it's always really gay when he does it. And you're just like, it's, come on. That, that's the joke every time, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, oh, it's the oh. worst. Oh, it's the fantastic. worst. Which is weird because, like, you compare this to, like, the South Park guys. Like, Trey Parker, I think, actually studied musicals and shit like that in college. So when he writes songs for South Park, they're usually pretty good. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, whereas uh, Seth MacFarlane, who... Every single time I say this, I'm sorry, this is divergence here, but it kind of reminds me... I always get confused Seth MacFarlane with Todd MacFarlane. Todd <laughs> MacFarlane's the guy who did Spawn. It's like a different guy. Speaking of Spawn... I mean, that clown and Peter Griffin are yeah. one of the speaking of, speaking of Spawn, do you guys ever see like the HBO cartoon? I did not see the HBO cartoon. I heard it's really good, though, but I've do seen like the opening interstitials where Todd Farland introduces it. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, what, really good. What the fuck is up with it? It's, Alex, have you ever seen this? I, I don't know what you're talking about, though. Oh, oh my God, dude. He's like, okay, so like... Uh, what if you had just died and you're going to hell and then you're offered a chance to come back? Okay, think quickly. Like, you don't have time to answer it. Okay, that's what happened to a guy named Spawn. I'm Todd McFarlane. And uh, this is my little comic here. And it's him drawing like this badass guy with all the chains and shit. He's a demon from hell and everything. And yeah, I like my cartoons a little bit dark. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. It's called Spawn. And it's just like, what the fuck? He talks like that? <laughs> It's like it's like hearing Darren Aronofsky talk. It's, it's just like no. <laughs> God, maybe okay. Next week's episode, the Swan cartoon. Deal, dude. <laughs> I gotta watch that shit. Uh, maybe just do Swan again. Yeah. So uh, the look of horror on my face as I realized in real time, like, oh, it's gonna be a Brian and Stewie road trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. That's fun, right? The bane of my existence. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm glad that you brought up the South Park guys. Because, uh, Parker, how much longer do you think it would have taken us to realize this was dog shit without South Park? Uh, that, South Park I, I, that South Park Family Guy takedown is, like, if you're a certain age, that was, like, genuinely iconic for your media consumption. It truly was. I, I didn't want to admit to it. Wait, like, it's okay. Kind of embarrassing so, too, here's the thing. Like, my God. What season was that takedown, though? 
I mean, it was it was later, but it was like it was like after it had come back, and like after like everybody had kind of acknowledged, like, and it was like everybody felt like it should have yeah. been canceled in the first place. Yeah, like oh, this yeah. is so good, but yeah. So, but like my thing about it is, I think I knew Family Guy was kind of shitty before that, and I think a lot of people knew that. I'm not saying it was wrong; like they were obviously on point there. But uh, I think more or less we would have known around the same time that like yeah, Family Guy fucking blows. And here's a real what-if scenario. Remember when Josh told me that the first three seasons of Family Guy were actually comma good, like young Sheldon, and I should watch all of them? Can you imagine if I did that? I can imagine what these Dragon Balls can make you do, buddy. No, no. Not <laughs> oh, it appears we have a, a, a guest wisher to funny. share on this week. No. <laughs> I think I've mentioned this before, but like I wore those DVDs out, right? And... Like, the, a couple years ago, I just happened to be around a house that had cable, and it was playing one of those early episodes, and every single cutaway and joke was just ingrained deep into my brain. Yeah. It's, those shows have lasted in this tiny skull of mine for probably close to 20 years now. Yeah, but I feel like if I ever go back, it will never, ever be the same, and it's just going to upset me. Ugh. I put a lot of hours into that show. Uh, well, I'm not going to be watching any more of that. I will try to get to Yu Yu Hakusho, no. though. So, why not both? Because I taste. It's a, no, not funny. I was uh, all right. No, that just gave me an idea. I was watching no, this God, this no. uh, this Twitch stream last week of uh, some dude who uh, he was playing. He was trying to beat like thirty NES or SNES games, and like every like minute and a half to three minutes, it would randomly switch to another game that was on his list, and he'd just have to pick up wherever it was at and go. Could you imagine oh. if, like, you were watching, like, the Yu Yu Hakusho Family Guy combined playlist, and every time an episode ended, you didn't know what you were gonna get between those two? Oh my god. Like, it's the next one in order, wherever you're at in the series, but it's like you're in the middle of the dark tournament, and you just get three Family Guy episodes in a row. It I... seems today! <laughs> <laughs> I think I've said this like three weeks in a row now. I am this close to just watching the entire Dark Tournament. I, I, think, I, I, think, so I, I think I'm fucking good. <laughs> Next week's episode is the Dark You know tournament. I'm passionate about martial arts tournaments that take place in a demon world. If you were, then why wouldn't you watch Samurai Jet? Whatever. Okay. You, you it's not a tournament. It's Game good. of Games. Let's talk about it. All right. Um, okay. What do we got? Here? Next week's episode. Spawn. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. Um. <laughs> Three thirty in the fucking. Chris, your teams went five and three. My teams went five and three. Parker's teams went four and four. Damn it! Yeah, sometimes it'd be like that. So you remember how ties work, right? Unfortunately, yeah. All right, so each of us gets to assign Parker a movie. Um, oh my god, I forgot I have greatest showman to watch. You guys, <laughs> fucking. Suck. All right, well I'm gonna, I'm gonna just open the list. Back I'm up. gonna go. I'm gonna go easier on you, time wise this week. Just something that only appears to be about forty minutes long. Oh no, Parker, you're gonna watch this fucking Iranian bootleg SpongeBob movie I found on Twitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna need that. <laughs> that sounds uh, incredibly good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 40 fuck? minutes long. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, that's good. Yeah. It's subtitled, so sadly you have to read it. But uh, you know, 
I, I, th- I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll send that link right now. Well, you know, Parker, in the spirit of also being nice and merciful, I'm going to give you something even shorter. This one, I think, is only about like 11 minutes long, and it's on okay. Disney Plus. It's uh, oh. it's the Olaf's Frozen adventure. Uh, <laughs> Where he, like, does various parodies of, like, Disney movies and stuff. So it's like, Olaf is a Lion King. And you get to watch the compilation where it's, like, all of them. God, I... As soon as he said 11 minutes, I fucking did it. <laughs> God damn it. I've had Olaf's Frozen Christmas on my assignment list. Fucking once upon a snowman. For, like, two years. <laughs> it just never pulled the trigger on it. Oh. Alright, um, you guys want to use any any of your Dragon Balls this week? As a check-in, Chris uh, is 5, so I guess he doesn't. Yeah. And Parker right, is 17. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I need to uh, get my bearings around. Well, uh, there are going to be um, multiple fucking Shenrons coming to devour me. No, I was going to say, it's, it's, it's a good thing, because Shenron's on the COVID list this week, so we don't have to roll any dice. We're, we're free. Oh, good. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Shenron. Hope he feels better. If we have to use Dragon Balls to make Shenron get better, I'm going to be really pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> we actually have to use a spirit bomb to do that. Alright, well, uh, what's our next episode going to be, guys? Uh, actually, I have an idea. I don't know. This is kind of like a, it's a cheap knockoff movie. It's called... It's a Family Guy Christmas. No. <laughs> it's called uh, Interzone. It's called, it's from 1989. It's called Interzone. What the fuck is this? It looks like a Mad Max knockoff sort of thing. Uh, it, the IMDb is uh, rather sparse on details. It just says, humans fight mutants in a post-Holocaust world. Is this in English? Uh, yeah. There's a character named Panasonic in there. Maybe maybe this would be better if it's like an assignment or something. Okay, we'll kick up this. I'm going to let you take the lead on this and yeah. tell me if there's anything to it. Action yeah. comedy, uh, actually, yeah, hang on. Wait, actually, you know, I just realized something. I, don't know if I, I think I have an extra assignment that I haven't used yet. I'd like to use this, please. All right. I'd like to use this on uh, Alex. I know how much you like kids' movies, so you're going to watch a movie called Fluke. F-L-U-K-E. What is this? <laughs> That's a talking dog movie. Yeah, it's a talking dog movie. Ken Jong is not in there. Uh, if he's in a movie from 1995, I would be floored. But yeah, well, I think he was a doctor at that point. Uh, should it just be Matrix Resurrections? We could just do that. I'm good with whatever. Okay. I just look at this list here. Unless we come up with something better, I guess. If one of you guys watches that early in the week and decides we should do it, then uh, like sure. But uh, mm-hmm. if not, then uh, I guess we can just do the Boss Baby. Let's, Let's watch Future yeah, Sport. Yeah. What is Future Sport? Yeah. It could watch be a TV Sports. movie that, that Alex watched. Starring one Wesley Snipes. You say starring. Oh, Brother Wesley. But, uh... I know. <laughs> oh, and our good oh, friend of the show, Dean Cain. It's, this is... I almost said Herman Cain. <laughs> <laughs> I also almost said Herman Cain. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, let's, yeah, let's do Future Sport. Alright, that works. Yeah, that sounds better than the other one. <laughs> boss baby movie. <laughs> I like how you called it the boss baby movie. 
<laughs> you have to clarify because there's also a Netflix series. Yeah, I did. Not I funny. actually not had funny. to clarify. Not funny. Not funny. Hey, Chris, it's, it seems here I've still got seven Dragon Balls in my pocket. No, he's sick. Shenron's sick. We're not doing that. You can Uh-oh. stop recording. Stop recording. Roll for his health. <laughs> and that's the tea, sis.